Talk Live. Welcome to the program. The phones are open and you can join us here. Bring up anything you want to discuss. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com. Coming up, if we uh, get to it. We'll, of course, take your calls about anything, but Aria, you've got a story about Chase Bank targeting Bitcoin people and refusing to allow them to make purchases of Indeed. Bitcoin. That it's is- just like we predicted, you know, years ago, and like I said at Porkfest uh, last year, no, the year, two years ago, I mean, we saw, this was telegraphed such a very long time ago that I'm surprised, you know, it's taken until 2023 for bitcoin magazine to actually come around to writing about it but it was obvious that you know the federal government was going to do exactly this they were going to create this world where there were they controlled all of the quote on ramps to cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. bitcoin or whatever and by doing so they were going to control people's access to cryptocurrency this this was no this was written this was prophesied by by the ancients so that can come up here tonight. Also, uh, Bonnie has a story uh, tonight about, well, you've got more than one, uh, but uh, the Japanese crazy story about Japanese people being told they should just go ahead and commit suicide. Yep. Elderly Japanese people. I find well, that's true of most people. We can I mean. get into that. coming. Well, no, this is like an official policy. Oh. Yeah. It's not an official policy. It's no? a professor in Yale who came out and said, I know what they need to do. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood that. Well, okay, because some countries are actually implementing uh, euthanasia. So Canada has that, uh, and they're I mean, actually. I'm fine using with volu- I, I support, in fact, voluntary euthanasia. I just don't think. Is there such a thing? I mean, I know. Yeah. That- if it, if I'm like, you know, I don't want to live anymore, and a doctor says, "Okay, well, here, I can give you this shot, and then you can die peacefully." Yeah, let's do it. Isn't that called doctor-assisted suicide? Isn't that effectively? What euthanasia would be? Mm. I mean, voluntary euthanasia? Yeah, that's that's what I would think it would be. Maybe there's some kind of semantic difference if you use the word euthanasia, but I'm pro- Yeah, you might be right. People being able to choose to die instead of, you know, oh, let's just try this treatment and this treatment, and then, you know, they go through more pain, and it doesn't really matter anyway. They're going to die no matter what. I mean, uh, lots of doctors have admitted that nowadays- what doctors do when people are clearly dying is try everything to make sure they don't get sued for not trying hard enough. Slash, like you know, the the family get mad at them, like you didn't try everything you could. Slash, they won't don't want to feel bad that they didn't try everything that they could. Well, plus then they get to to crank the bill up and yeah. they get paid big time for yeah. running all these tests and hooking people up to all these machines. Meanwhile, when- the people die extremely. Not peacefully, you know, mm-hmm. and and a lot of times in more pain than normal than they should be. To yeah, me, so- it's a matter of basic rights. I mean, the the ultimate right that a person has is the right over their own life. And it seems to me like there couldn't be a more basic human right than the right to put an end to one's own existence. It's, it's my life. No, literally no one else's. If I want to put an end to it, then that's my right. No Indeed. one no one can take that from me and force me to continue living if I don't want to. Yep. I haven't been on any of the shows where we talked about the Canadian assisted suicide stuff, but I know there's some like problematic stuff with it, like doctors encouraging minors to do it, like possibly without the parents' consent, stuff like that. I, don't I know. haven't heard that story. Um, but that's what I'm saying. I've just I wouldn't heard think it. a minor would be able to make that decision for themselves, but I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if we have discussed that. On Free Talk Live, I don't recall talking about it on any nights that, that I've been on. I'm pretty sure it was a Captain uh, Sunday okay. show. 
So uh, if you want to weigh in on uh, anything that's on your mind, the number is 603-283-6160. In other international news, though, apparently Joe Biden made a surprise trip to Kiev over in Ukraine, I guess, within the last 24 hours. Well, World War III is not going to start itself. And at the same time, Kiev's security chief, according to the Daily Mail, has made the statement that Ukraine's tanks will, quote, be parked on Moscow's Red Square, and that will be justice, unquote, ahead of the first anniversary of Putin's invasion. Wait, who said that? Ukraine's security chief. Okay. I thought you said Biden said that. Sorry. Also, less being talked about right now, today, also, in addition to Biden visiting Ukraine, someone from the Chinese government is, in fact, visiting Russia. Okay. Well, they are working together on a lot of things. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me either. And there are rumors of China considering arming Russia. Of course, I mean, no one is arming Russia, but everyone is arming Ukraine. And it seems to me like it's not really fair. I don't want World War Three either, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's evil for China to arm Russia in any more evil than it is for China to arm Russia than it is for the United States to arm Ukraine. Now... We know what's happened so far, at least allegedly, in this conflict, and that is to say about a year ago, roughly, uh, the Russian troops invaded the territory known as Ukraine. They've allegedly overseen a vote of the eastern states or provinces or whatever you call them uh, in Ukraine, the eastern areas that border Russia, have allegedly voted to join Russia, to essentially secede from Ukraine and become part of Russia. In like 2014? No, no, that happened uh, last year. Oh. Yep. Um, and it was like 90-something percent voting in favor of joining Russia? Around about there. But it, you're thinking of a different vote that did happen also in 2014, uh, Bonnie, and I'm not sure in which areas it was. I don't know if it was all of the areas of the, on the eastern side in 2014, if it was just the Donbass, uh, but there was a vote in 2014 as well. But there was a more recent one. And, of course, the Western media uh, poo-pooed it. They said, oh, well, no, this isn't a legitimate vote. And rather than actually like going in and sending in third-party observers to make sure that the vote was legitimate, they just simply said, nope, there's no way that this could be legitimate, so therefore we're just going to keep going to war in these uh, these provinces where we've uh, been dropping bombs for the last seven years. Who, the Ukrainian? The Ukrainian government. Okay, so the yep. Western Well, the Western media. media reporting essentially what the Ukrainian government's position was, which was that the vote was not legitimate, even though a lot of people that live in those areas are Russian-speaking natives. Yeah. And I mean, we, we, how could we possibly know, right? We have to take someone's word for it. I'm not there. I've never been there. I'm never going to go there. I don't know anyone there. All I can do is trust what the media tells me about it. Unfortunately, I have no reason to trust anything the media says about anything because they always lie. And they're probably lying about this. But that the Russian government is also constantly lying. And it, it's... This whole situation asks me to choose a side between two sides, both of which are filled with evil liars, and Mm -hmm. I'm just not interested in doing that. And it's like, I keep hearing, like, the Russians are the aggressors, so it's like, they started it, but to me it doesn't seem like that because it's like, NATO semi-said that Ukraine was like an honorary member, so it's like, imagine if, you know, Russia had a NATO and they were slowly you know, befriending Mexico and clearly being unfriendly with us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and if, you know, Texas voted to go to Mexico and, you know, the United States wouldn't let him, I don't know. Or wait, no, I I mixed it up. But you know what I'm saying? Well, you just have to imagine 
if we were Russia, it it would seem kind of like they were being aggressive, aka Ukraine was well, being yeah, aggressive. Well, I mean, yeah, NATO was supposed to. Uh, I thought they were supposed to completely go away after the Soviet Union dissolved. I thought the whole point of NATO was to oppose the Soviet Union. And so I thought there was some sort of an agreement that they made that, okay, well, we're done. But then they just kept on adding territory and expanding towards Russia over time. So I get where, where you're coming from on that, uh, Bonnie. could certainly be in, interpreted that way. Wasn't there the thing with the water supply as well, where Ukraine had destroyed a dam where they had built a dam that was... In, uh, what was the, what's the place? Chimera, or not Chimera? Well, it was preventing Cry- water from Crimea. flowing to Crimea. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. And I mean, they were keeping Crimea from having water. I, I don't know at what point you that's have like to a- shoot bullets at people for it to be a declaration of war. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's definitely a crime for sure. Yeah. Some sort of international issue. Yeah. So, I mean... It's fair to say that was an aggressive act. I don't know if I would make that argument. Well, and like I said, I don't want to pick a side in this at all. But and they were bombing the Donbass as well over since 2014. So there were okay. constant attacks going on. The and when I say they, I mean the Ukrainian government, which is a, allegedly a puppet government of the United States and NATO and so on, was attacking the Donbass regions. So you know whether that justifies Putin invading into Ukraine is. I would say still up for debate, but does it mean that this needs to terminate in the Kiev security chief's view in the Ukrainian tanks being parked in Moscow's Red Square? That's what he believes. That's how he believes this is going to come to an end. So that doesn't just mean Ukraine... Violence never ends anything, though. It only extends it. But just think about that for a moment. This is the first time I've heard talk like this. I mean, maybe it's been going on. But the idea that Ukraine is going to be able to turn this fight around, not only push the Russians out of Ukraine entirely, which, by the way, apparently they're recruiting another half a million troops, allegedly, to make a spring offensive in Ukraine. So, like, Russia ain't done with this whole thing. Wait, Russia is recruiting half a million more troops? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if they're uh, if they're forcing them in. I think they've they've done some of that. They've been... Uh, conscripting troops over time. So Russia's not the good guy, okay? Neither is Ukraine. But this security chief in Ukraine is saying he thinks this will end with Ukraine tanks in Moscow. Moscow isn't across the border from Ukraine. No. It's a ways into Russia. So he's saying he believes that they are not only going to be able to completely repel the Russian invasion into Ukraine, turn them around, Send them home, but not only repel them, but entirely crush them to the point where Ukraine will then be able to counter invade into Russia. Are we sure he's not just like, you know, saber rattling or trying to bolster the resolve of people in Ukraine? Could be. It could just be tough talk. Yeah, I I imagine it is. It it can't be realistic to think that Ukraine is going to seriously invade Russia. He can't really believe that. It doesn't seem very realistic to me either. Imagine trying to like take over the people that live in the north of Russia. It's like a football coach in you know trying to rally his team together. Yeah, I mean, look, Kiev, I just did a, a handy little Google Maps here. Kiev is about an 11 and a half hour drive from Moscow. So, I mean, Moscow isn't the furthest away for the the rest of Russia. It certainly is on the western side of Russia, but this isn't just some short jaunt 
you know, right across the border to uh, drop your tanks off for a photo op in Moscow. And you're talking about invading the most populated city in Russia. I mean, this isn't somebody who is talking about peace. We've already known the Ukrainian side of things has been to refuse Russian attempts at peace talks. Yeah. Putin has said, hey, let's let's sit down. Let's talk about how to end this thing. And they're like, nope, there's there's no peace talks here. So not only are they not talking about peace, they're saying they're going to end up with tanks in Moscow. Again, could just be tough talk, but a lot of people are going to see that as a threat. Sure. And they should. Uh, Putin will probably see that as right. a threat. And that's probably going to factor into his meeting with the whoever it is from China. Mm-hmm. I sincerely doubt that China is going to allow that to happen without actually sending actual armed forces to back up Russia. Russia is their ally. Oleski Danilov, Kiev's National Security and Defense Council boss, called Vladimir Putin Hitler's twin as he reiterated Ukraine's ambition to expel all Russian troops from its soil, including from Crimea, which was annexed by Moscow in 2014. So they're just both calling each other Nazis now? Mm Mm-hmm. The security boss previously warned the bloodiest battles are yet to come within the next few months in what will be a defining moment of the war. Amid warnings, the Russian president will soon launch a new offensive in the east of Ukraine to take control of, at the very least, Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporozhye, and Kherson, which are the four regions that voted for independence from Ukraine and to join Russia. In his latest comments, Danilov vowed that Ukraine would get justice for the thousands of civilians who have been killed since Putin ordered his forces across the border February 24th of last year. He also warned other countries that the Russian despot would not stop at Ukraine if his forces achieve a total victory. I'm not sure why he would think that Russia is going to continue to expand to any other place on the planet. I mean... I suppose they could, but they've already incurred some losses, right? Like this is this hasn't been an easy takeover in Ukraine. They didn't just, you know, it's right. been a year now and they have yet to actually succeed at taking over even though Russia is 150 million or roughly 150 million people strong. I mean, it is no slouch when it comes to, you know, being a world power and and a, you know, strong military. But they haven't succeeded in taking over Ukraine. They've lost a ton of troops. I don't know how you get the numbers on this, but they have to keep bringing them in, which suggests they're right. losing them. Uh, so, like, what are they going to have left to invade other countries with? Why would anyone believe this this fearmonger? They well, there get is a kind of a problem here, right? The whole reason they wanted Ukraine is to have this sort of shield against NATO, right? Well, they also, some say they want the path to the ocean. Or the, uh, okay. the Black, Black sea. sea. Yeah. Well, if it's about the shield to NATO, then it causes the problem. Okay, well, there's a, another 15 countries right there that they need to take over to have a, a, a shield to protect their Ukrainian conquest against NATO. So, Not like, it, happen. No, none of it's yeah. going to happen. But I would have said that a Russian invasion of Ukraine wasn't going to happen either. That's true. Yeah, we were skeptical, uh, as I recall, back, you know, a year ago. He says, if we don't give them a proper answer, it is only a matter of time before they invade another country. Ukraine and its Western allies have sounded the alarm over a renewed Russian offensive in Ukraine that could launch, uh, be launched to mark the first anniversary of the war. Kiev's forces are preparing to defend against a Russian assault that could consist of 400 fighter jets, 300 helicopters, 1,800 new tanks, and 3,950 armored vehicles. Where those numbers come from, I have no idea. Uh, and they're, they're meaningless. I mean... What is the difference that 400 fighter jets are going to make that, you know, 200 fighter jets didn't make? I don't know. 
So anyway, it goes on with the the propaganda there. But I just thought it was interesting that this guy is trying to make people believe that they're going to actually turn this around and actually roll Ukrainian tanks into Russia and take down Moscow. They mean American tanks. Good point. And German <laughs> tanks. And yes. German tanks, because Germany's sending them down there. I'd heard the American tanks aren't going to make it in there until later this year at the earliest. Okay. So it's going to take some time, for whatever reason, to get those over there. Uh, so if you want to comment on that, you're welcome to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. Over the weekend, or specifically yesterday, there was a... A decently sized, I don't know, small if you think about some of the world protests. And it, it wasn't more than a few thousand people, basically. But that's still not terrible. It wasn't yeah. a few dozen people. Uh, in a protest in Washington, D.C., Bonnie and I watched some of this uh, on a good amount of it, I would say, on Sunday. They had uh, speakers from both the left and the libertarians. Uh, there was a group called the People's Choice Party, I believe is their name. People's Party. No the one from the Party. right, sadly. Uh, presumably because the right is pro-war. And there must have been right people because uh, Jimmy Dore made a comment. He was like, this is what the establishment is afraid of. They're afraid of the left, the right, and the middle coming together against a common enemy, which is war. So there must have been right-leaning people there. I just don't know. I, I don't know who all the speakers were that were there, yeah. but they had Ron Paul. Awesome. Oh, well, isn't, Tulsi, isn't Tulsi a Republican now? Mm, I don't think she's officially joined the Republicans. I believe she simply resigned from the Democrats. Oh, well, she took that video where she was shooting a gun, so. Yeah, she seems to be pandering to the right and at she this hung point. out with Don Bolduck. She did endorse Don Bolduck, who was a Republican general that ran for U.S. Senate here in New Hampshire. So, I mean, she's certainly pandering to the right. I don't know if she's gone so far as to actually join the Republicans at this point. She could so do she better with the Libertarian Party, but not if she's in, in, you know, embracing people like Don Bolduck. Well, she wouldn't do better with the Libertarian Party. I mean, no Libertarian is going to win an election in the United States. I didn't States. say she would win. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> she, 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 she's got elected as a Democrat, and she's not even going to come close yeah. as uh, as a Libertarian. Philosophically so she, and as a moral person, she would do better siding with the Libertarians than the Republicans. Yeah, I don't know what her plan is. Uh, I guess we'll probably find out within the next year if she's going to sign up for one party or another and and make a run for 2024, set her sights on president again or whatever. And I don't really care. But uh, but she was there and gave a, gave a speech, and it was fine. Uh, Jimmy Dore, who I'd never heard previously, but I guess he's a comedian. He was pretty funny. He had some yeah, he was great. good lines. I followed him on Twitter. Oh, cool. And uh, I considered actually playing the speech. I just don't remember if it had profanity in it, so I didn't have a chance yeah. to re- re-review it. We, we listened to it live uh, as it was happening. They had, I don't know, maybe like at least a dozen uh, speakers that were there, and it was very anti-war. A lot of the critiques of the event were really petty. There were people in the libertarian movement who'd been attacking this event. I suspect the same thing's true on the left, because, you know, people in the these political movements just love to fight with one another over stupid crap. They do. Isn't it amazing yeah. that they can't work together? They have to nitpick one another and... Well, that was one of the nitpicks, is that, oh, you shouldn't be working with the commies. Yeah, that's what, literally, I, I commented that the outrage was ridiculous about this and that the speeches were really good and, you know, yeah. somebody on Twitter immediately said to me, like, if you don't understand the problem with working with commies, then you're a lost cause. Something like that. I was like, just Dude, some anonymous guy, by the way, on the internet. If they want know? to make the world a better place with more peace, I will work with anyone. That's how I feel about it, right? Like, okay, we're going to disagree on universal health care, and we're going to disagree on some other issues, and on those issues, we're 
going to be against one another. But if it comes down to these other issues where we agree, let's lock hand in hand and move this thing forward however we possibly can. And that's exactly what the Libertarian Party did here. And I, I think I said today uh, that this was the most, I would say, impressive thing I've seen the Libertarian Party do in a long time. I, I don't remember if they've ever put anything like this together in the past. It, it does not strike my memory if they have done so. Usually, the they National just, Libertarian Party yeah, actually National, put this together. I mean, this they was were like the co-organizer. This, they, if you go to the Rage Against the War Machine website, which is rageagainstwar.com. I mean, they named themselves after a communist band. I mean, they they, they had to have known they were going to appeal to communists with this, right? Well, they were in contact with and uh, in coalition with. The People's Party. So the two main organizers of this were the Libertarian Party and the People's Party. And the People's Party... Definitely communist. Sounds communist. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, now, I don't have their... I did actually pull up their about page here. So It the, could only be more communist if they called themselves the People's Democratic Party. Yeah. Uh, so they're not the Green Party, and I'm not really sure... You know what the difference is uh, between them and the Green Party. I believe there is actually a frequently asked questions here where they, they may address that... Yeah, okay, so here it is. Why not join the Green Party, right? Because they've, they've been around for a while. In fact, uh, Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein was one of the speakers, and we tuned into sort of half of her speech. Yeah, I didn't I hear it seemed fine. much from it. Uh, again, you know, but the Green Party is not explicitly communist, are they? There's no, a lot but, of strong overlap, but they're an environmentalist party above everything else. But the old joke is, uh, you know, you cut open a green and they're red inside, <laughs> like a watermelon. Open the green. Not literally, not that you should actually right. cut them. But. Okay, so, okay, inside, okay, cut open the Green Party and they're coming actually. Inside. Okay. I, yeah. I just had to process the joke for a minute. Well, it's not a very good joke. I just uh, never, have never heard it before. That's what they say. Um, and they do definitely have, like, you know, they support socialism on a ton of different sure. things. So we would agree with them on things like getting well, out of war. Well, as I say, the Libertarian Party is capitalist. It's like, that's not necessarily true. And they're not even free market. Well, I guess they do have to be free market advocates, but... They're not necessarily that you can be a communist libertarian. So there's more coming up here. Uh, we can talk about this People's Party. I have been curious about what they stand for. We can dig in a little bit uh, to what that is. But the event was great. They talked about getting out of wars and, you know, bringing the troops home and the whole thing. You know, Ron Paul got up there. I mean, if it, if it was a good enough event for Ron Paul, like, why couldn't it be a good enough event for people? It's like some people just hate it. And the, the music with Tatiana was good. Yeah, more coming up here. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Talk live. You can join the show here. Bring up whatever you want. 
The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. And we invite you over to our website at freetalklive.com. You can go to social.freetalklive.com. You can interact on our social media platform, which is run by us. It's on our server. It's a Mastodon system. That means it is federated, and therefore you can connect with other people on other Mastodon servers. Unless they blocked us, which they can do. That's their right as a federated system. So you can join it over at social.freetalklive.com. You'll have more freedom to say things you want to say, unlike on those big tech mega platforms that are out there. Or some of those other Mastodon platforms out there. Some Some of them them seem to be, yeah. Yeah. Social.freetalklive.com. We go to your phone calls and thoughts, though. Mike is on the line outside of New York City. Go ahead, Mike. Yes. Hello, Free Talk Live. What's up? Welcome, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Um, So so maybe one of you guys could advise me. I want to finally make the move to New Hampshire. It's been really a long time coming for me. Um, Right on. But I kind of want to do it in a step process because I don't know exactly where I want to settle. Um, okay. But my first, my first goal was just to basically um, register my vehicle in the state. Mm. Um, and I looked into that, and basically they want, like, residency, some sort of a proof of residency. But I don't know, like I said, exactly where I want to settle. Why is that so, your first goal? He's from New York. Uh, well, because <laughs> one of the reasons why I want to move to New Hampshire is because of cost. New York is just in, in pure insanity. What is it like to register a vehicle in New York? Everything's done through the DMV. Um, you, know, you go there, wait online, but basically it is a one-stop. Frustrating as it is, it is a one-stop. But it seems like in New Hampshire, the registration is done through a local clerk's office. It is. But what does it cost then, in oh, New York to register a car? Oh, <laughs> um, what is it, like $200, $175, something like that? Is it a flat fee but, there, or are you? do you pay based on the age of the car? No, it's a flat fee. I think it's like you may be better dollars. off in uh, registering a car in New York, depending on the age of your car. Do you drive an old car or a new car? Uh, it's newer. Uh, okay. See, I don't know because I have never registered a car in New Hampshire in the 15, 16 years that I've lived here. <laughs> um, I know that there is a per there's a fee in New Hampshire based on how new your car is. So older cars don't cost as much to register. Newer hmm. cars cost more. Now, I don't know what the range is. I don't know what the top dollar is. That seems so backwards. Shouldn't an older car be more dangerous? They just know the newer car people have more money, I think. So they wow. hit them up for, uh, yeah, for more yeah, money. So, well, it's a tax, right? The more is. your car is worth, the more you're supposed to pay in taxes. I think that's the way it seems. So that might be something you'll want to ask some New Hampshire people who've actually registered cars here. Uh, Aria, have you ever done it? Yeah, I've got two cars registered here. I mean, it's it's not as cheap as Mississippi registration what was it do you remember i don't remember it's like a hundred bucks a year something like that But you got kind of like a 10 year old car right like it's uh, yeah the eclipse new. is like 20 years old yeah and that's the one i remember the most it was like 150 175 dollars in texas i know that it was like oh my god i need to like work every single day for the next couple of weeks because of this bull crap but like, dude, why, why do you even care about what has the government done to you where like this is one of your this is like your number one goal is to Wait, register your car in this state mike aren't you the one that uh maybe i'm I mixing you up with to, somebody but, but are you aren't you the one that wanted to move here in your van no okay. although that's not a bad idea but no it's not a bad idea what how old's your car uh so it's a year old just one year okay so, okay 
there are people that are, are registering their cars outside of New Hampshire under like corporate titles uh, in states like Montana, for instance, where there's a flat fee. And you can, once the car is 11 years old or older, you can do a, what they call a permanent registration in oh, Montana. Yeah, where, you can't do that with new cars. Correct. Where uh, you, you register at one time and then you never have to, to renew it. Here's what I would say. Uh, unless your registration is imminently coming up in New York, I would just leave it as, I would leave it as is. And then you can kind of figure out what your options are. Once you get here, I'm guessing the reason why you want to do that is you just kind of you hate you just don't like being in New York. And so you want to kind of rid yourself step by step of as many New yes. York related things yes. as possible. Yes, I want to opt out, basically opt out mm-hmm. with, the, with the automobile insurance. The uh, registration is coming up, I think, in July or something. So this is the process where I want to begin this stuff. The process is opting out of all this nonsense here. Yeah. What's I guess the more important question is you said you were concerned with where to move. So the obvious question is, have you come up to New Hampshire for a visit yet? Um, I have. That was a few years back. Mm -hmm. Um, I was visiting a friend, um, but I really didn't have an opportunity to see the state. Um, You should do that. I know I need more time. Yeah, you should do that. I mean, the nice thing about being in the New York area is it's only a four-hour drive from, you know, the outside of the city to hop on up here to New Hampshire for a weekend or for, you know, however long that that you can spend. I recommend you go to the Free State Project's calendar at fsp.org slash calendar, and you can see a whole list of things that are coming up in the next, you know, week, two weeks, whatever, uh, that are happening all across mostly southern New Hampshire, although there's sometimes things in the North Country. And just, you know, drop on by a Taproom Tuesday or a Social Sunday or whatever it is they do out on the seacoast. I know they do thing a lot of things out there at the Shell. Uh, so there's a ton of things to do, and you can use that as an excuse to kind of get a feel for the, the different cities and see if one of them really kind of uh, speaks to you. Is there a certain type of work that you feel like you are called to do, or are you pretty flexible on that? Well, I mean, I, 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 I do plumbing, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't mind a chain. Um, I've always had an interest in, in computers. So uh, if, if there's a community of guys who are into programming and trying out new stuff. Um, I would imagine plumbing is pretty lucrative up here because, dang, it's hard to find plumbers. They're so busy. Yeah, people, are, uh, people that are in the trades like that get paid fairly well up here. So, I mean, I don't blame you if you're getting tired of it. But if you're good at it, uh, everyone's hiring here right now. So whatever kind of job you want, if you want to try something new with, with programming, if you you know just want to do something simple like retail or you know manufacturing or something with your hands like plumbing, they're so I mean people are so desperate to hire up here. It's it's crazy. From what I've heard, so. if you're going to do computer stuff, Manchester is the place to be basically. Manchester, Nashville, yeah, that's sort of that population uh, center there there's a lot of a lot of work a lot of jobs out there so i mean this there's no better time than right now for liberty-minded people anywhere not just new hampshire but or not just uh new new york but anywhere across the country to make the move here because you know a lot of people need to have that job right like they yeah. they they work for a living they work uh, paycheck to paycheck or whatever they're trying to save money uh and they need to, to come in man i tell you it when I say you throw a stone, you hit twelve places that are hiring, I and mean, that's not really an exaggeration. There's, no. there's places that have been hiring for years, for like two years now, ever since the whole COVID thing. People just all of a sudden, people just stopped working for whatever reason, 
and they haven't started again. So that's what I would do, Mike. I'd, I'd come up here and uh, just start meeting people and start looking around at, you know, different jobs and things like that. And then, you know, if you've got a little bit of savings put together, just you know, whenever your lease is up there, get the hell out. Yeah, pretty much May, May June, July. That's, that's all right. It sounds like it sounds like you got time to to start researching. Maybe uh, come on up for a visit or something like that. Come on up for more than one. I mean, when I moved here, I just moved sight unseen. I just bought a house remotely from uh, from Florida, and I said, "This is where I want to be." I just I'm coming up. But you're so and close to even like you're probably closest to Keen as far as cities. I mean, I I would think so. I can't really think of a map on the top of my head, but it seems like you're closest to Keen. It's, and, uh, you know, somewhat convenient. It's really not that much further. If you're coming from New York City, if you're going to drive up 91 versus 95, is basically the same amount of time because you're on an interstate pretty much the whole way up. Yeah. So you're almost, even though you're quote unquote closer to Keene, mm-hmm. you're not really that much further away from Manchester, Manchester. or even the seacoast. Well, in Keene, we have so. meetups every single Sunday. In Manchester, they have meetups every single Tuesday, right? They've got uh, the crypto meetups on Sunday in Manchester as well. So they've got multiple meetups per week. There's so much to do up here. Uh, Mike, do you have any other questions we can help you with tonight? Um, no, I mean, that, that was that was pretty much it. But it definitely seems like a very interesting community. Like guys, that people that are into different things, uh, there's always meetups. Um, who are like-minded in, to me in the sense that they, they just are sick and tired and they want to opt out. I don't want to deal with the nonsense anymore. There's a lot of that, uh, and I would recommend checking out the uh, Free State Project Discord if you are online at all. There's a lot of uh, people in there who are here in New Hampshire. They'll field your questions. Uh, you can ask about car registrations or what other people are doing. You know, you're registered in Montana. How do you go about doing things like that? Uh, there's people that'll you know that can kind of help you out with uh, with those options. But I would say, you know, figure out all the technicals later as far okay. as getting a license and and doing all that stuff and just plan, you know, how do you get out? Are you going to sell some of your stuff first before you make the move? Do you need to rent a, a moving truck? You know, just kind of get all that stuff settled down so you feel comfortable about, you know, getting out of there, that place. You, you'll feel oh, great. Yeah. It's, it, it's just me, my dog, my guns and some clothes. That's it. I got nothing. Don't want nothing. Don't need nothing. Well, if you're a gun guy in New York, you're going to feel like it's a whole new world moving up here. Uh, Matt Roach is one of our co-hosts on Thursday night. He moved here from the Rochester area, and he's like, it's like just a completely different place as far as gun freedoms are are concerned. You can open carry in New Hampshire without government permission. You can conceal carry in New Hampshire without government permission. I mean, I think Uh, you should watch the new Free State documentary on NBC. It's free to watch online. I think Ian knows the URL, but oh. that's like the new 101 reasons. It's so good. Quite, uh, I don't think so at this you know? point. Uh, maybe it will be at some point, but it's NBCBoston.com slash free state. I will put it out there on our uh, social media over at social.freetalklive.com. We might actually play one of the episodes tonight and do a little commentary on it. But I haven't seen it yet, so that'd be good. Yeah, it's a seven-part series so far. It's going to be 11 parts in total, and they, they released seven of them today. Uh, so once again, NBCBoston.com slash Free State. Yeah, I watch that. That sounds awesome. Hey, Mike, thanks for the call tonight. Feel free to call back with uh, any other questions or if you just want to talk about your, uh, your plan to move. Awesome. Thanks Appreciate so much, it, man. Thanks for the call tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we need more of. We need more people coming from not just New York City, but as far away as you can get here. It'd right? be so yeah. nice just, you know... 
have somebody who doesn't want to be there leave New York. Just another one, you know, there's plenty of them we know, but... Aspire to bigger, better things, though, than, like, my life's goal is to register my vehicle in New Hampshire. Like, pick, pick a nobler target. Well, that. I think it's kind of symbolic for people because I kind of laughed about it today, but on the Free State documentary, it shows a guy, I recognize him, but I don't know if I've met him. I don't either. And um, he was at Park Fest. He was being interviewed by the NBC people and he shows his New Hampshire driver's license and he was like, once I got this, it felt real for me and I was so excited. And it, That's you know, disgusting. Of- the government <laughs> giving you a, a, a little license is what makes it real? I think you're coming down a little too hard on people for this, Aria. But I to- mean... To, I get I'm going to get someone from. a hard time, but to be like, this license, this government paperwork, this is what makes it real, that's that's a horrible attitude. Well, I, I'm not going to say it's horrible. I think uh, I get where you're coming from on that. Um but for some people, it it mean it's meaningful. It's like it's a it's a thing that they changed. I I'm with you. Like, That's like I saying didn't that the marriage certificate from your government is what makes your relationship. I, I That's a good point. I agree. But I mean, I wasn't like you know right. I think for some people, I'm not mad about it, but it made me laugh. Your point is well taken. It's asking government for a, a privilege, right? You're asking the government to do something for you, and I don't think anyone should ever have to do that. I think you should always exercise your rights. The only reason and- I was excited about my New Hampshire driver's license is because it was the best picture I've ever taken for a driver's license. They forced me to get the New Hampshire license. It yeah. was, I don't know, six or seven years that I'd been here before they finally, might have even been longer than that, maybe eight years uh, before they finally told me that and this was a, a judge who told me this that he was going to have my operation ability or whatever the terminology is your you know your ability to operate a, a vehicle in New Hampshire uh, suspended so it wouldn't matter that I had a license from somewhere else they would just simply not honor that wow. if they caught me behind the wheel of a car I would be arrested uh, for that so they basically forced me to to get a license here in New Hampshire. That's the only reason why I have a New Hampshire license because I was I'm of your mindset. I'm like I'm not asking, but you know so this this license in Florida is still good. <laughs> Whatever, it's fine with me. That's where I'm at, right? Uh, My, mine's got a completely different name on it. I like I don't care. I actually it's, consider going down to Arizona where you can get a a license till you're 65 years old. That's when their licenses expire. Nice. You get it when you if you get it as a teenager, it, you have to renew it at 21. But then once you get it at 21, you don't have to renew until 65 Wow! in Arizona. That is awesome. Yeah, I, I see, really like that. Yeah, I seriously considered it, but I still had like, I still had an extra um, one-off in Florida because you can do, you could, you could have done like a renewal over the internet in Florida and get another however many years until you had to go down there physically to, uh, to renew it. So see, like, Mississippi just, just renews them online and they, yeah. they, they just don't care. It's just tax revenue for them. So why would they? Uh, so let's continue here with your calls and thoughts. But yeah, definitely check out that new documentary series, NBCBoston.com slash Free State. It's really well done. We can comment more on it coming up here. But let's go to the phones here. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hello? Hello, this is David. Hey, David. California. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I heard you talking about uh, the Ukraine. I don't know if you're aware of it. If you look up Wikipedia says that 25% of the world's topsoil is in Ukraine. Hmm. So it's definitely related. Uh, well, if you think about the, um, the ancient Ice Age, um, when the Ice Age was going on, when it melted, it basically dropped 
tonnage of topsoil up in there. Huh. And, um, and they call it like Europe's breadbasket or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, in America here, the <clears throat> if you look at the Missouri River, that was the bottom edge of the ice cap, and so everything north of the Missouri River, up in Iowa, northern Missouri, uh, Nebraska, whatnot. Super topsoil, million, multiple million dollars an acre because it, they used to, I, when I was a kid, they had eight feet of topsoil. So when you start looking at the food prices um, and, and the idea of somebody capturing 25% of the world's topsoil and uh, people that uh, like oligarchs that have no duty to care, and when it comes to duty to care, a government is supposed to look out for its people. And when you get uh, oligarchs, they don't even pretend to look out for the people. They got theirs and screw you. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> that's what this is all about. Uh, and you, when you start talking about the death, excuse me, uh, death count of, uh, you know, the casualty list in Russia, in the Vietnam War, uh, we lost 57,000 people in probably 20 years, from 1946 to what 1974 or so. And um, in in Russia, they've uh, in the Ukraine, Russians have lost over 150,000 people in one year's time. So and where did those numbers come from? Their own casualty count. The Russians. 150,000. Casualty okay. doesn't so, mean death. That's true as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're apparently just dragging people out of prisons, putting a uniform on them, not even giving them any training, sending them out uh, to get killed. And yeah, well, so, I got to tell you, man, if I was in prison for whatever, especially Russia, where they have a lot of political prisoners or the United States, where there are a lot of political prisoners and they came to me and said, hey, look, we'll give you your freedom, but you got to go fight in this war instead. You'll probably die. You might not. But then you'll be free if you live. According to a Wall Street Journal article from three days ago, this is a number coming from the U.K. Defense Ministry. So it's not coming from the Russians. Uh, they estimate that, as you say, David, more than 200,000 soldiers have been killed or wounded. And they say the death toll from Ukraine war is as high as 60,000. But I think that includes both sides. Or, well, no, I'm sorry, Russia's death toll from uh, from Ukraine. Well, to get back to the breadbasket thing, I feel like... It's kind of scary if that's true, if it's 25% of the world's soil, it's kind of scary for it to be in the hands of these Russian, um, you know, gangs or the Ukrainian goons, thugs, tyrants and parasites because none of them care about the people that they're ruling. I mean, the Ukrainian one, he kicked out the opposition as soon as he got, you know, the okay from the United States, that they're going to back everything he does. He banned speaking Russian. He doesn't care about these people. Like, most of them speak Russian. I mean, at least in the West, like, always have. Speak it in their homes. Speak it together. Well, as far as I can tell, the world's been doing just fine with the top 20, 25% of the world's top soil being in Ukraine or whatever. So if they want to keep fighting about it, let them keep <laughs> fighting about it. No, it doesn't it, seem to affect to my be. life one way or the other. Yeah, it does. Because it doesn't in seem Africa, to. It, in uh, the Mediterranean... Uh, they're already seeing starvation happen because it used to be that... I'm not in those places. uh, Well, you know, just because you're surviving it... I literally said it's not affecting me one way or the other. And you said, yes, it does. And you pointed to people who aren't me in places where I'm not. Well, 
this is where I get off. Uh, I'm not going to condone a war for other people. Yeah, libertarians apparently say, I got mine, screw you, right? No, I'm saying I'm not going to condone a war where people are being slaughtered, where people are dying on behalf of other people. If they want to fight over that topsoil, let them fight over it. I have no dog in that fight. I'm not getting involved. It's not like the Ukrainians weren't bombing the topsoil before this war happened in the Donbass region. It's just, I, my question is, why do you think it's safer in the hands of Zelensky than it is in the hands of Putin? I mean, I, that, that's all my question is. I feel sorry for anybody dying and anybody starving. I do, but I just don't know what you want to, what, I, well, I just don't see the what the solution days, is. In the old days, libertarians used to talk about the free market, right? We and, still do. And so, Okay. And so if the free market said that you could buy uh, from whatever merchant uh, you wanted, uh, and if the uh, Ukraine was an independent country, mm-hmm. it was hypothetically selling to the free market, uh, then that dealt with feeding Africa, feeding uh, you know Southern uh, Asia, feeding South America. But when it gets down to some oligarchs owning it, I'll give you an an example. Uh, Back in the 1970s, they had Bangladesh. Well, let's stay on the subject of Ukraine here. Because no no part of the situation in Ukraine and this topsoil has any damn thing to do with the free market. You you said if so many times in that statement. I, I lost track. It was at least seven different ifs this was true, and this was true, and if this was also true, and if this was true. And when this war started, we were the ones talking about how sanctions should be lifted from Russia. The only reason that if Russia took over Ukraine, they wouldn't do trade with us is because of our government's crappy uh, response to them. Well, uh, again, when you start looking at uh, topsoil uh, feeding people, the other example uh, of a huge amount of topsoil is at the foot of the Himalayas, Bangladesh. They're going to have improved topsoil for the next 10,000 years as the erosion comes off the map. Well, let the people in Africa fight over that, then. Our the Africans soil could... have plenty of, t- of places to grow. They're, they're a tropical climate across most of the entire continent. Yeah, they just have to stop trying to live with their sand. In where our... stuff doesn't grow. Well, I mean, some of it's desert, that's true, but there's a lot right. of non-desert area right. in Africa as well. There's plenty of places to grow down there. I mean, I, look, I bought a lot of fruits and vegetables in my time, and not a single one of them has ever come from Ukraine. So i got to agree with Arya on this. 25% leaves 75% to the rest of the world, even if we believe your number, David. Yeah. That's a lot of other uh, you know, area of land out there to produce things. This is not really that important. The other thing is like worm yes, farming and uh, getting people off of nitrate fertilizers would make like almost anywhere well, good for so growing. Well, it's so important to you, so, David. Again, why don't you go point, there and fight? So my point about Bangladesh... No, I had a question for you. If it's so important for you, why don't you go there and fight? Uh, when I uh, talk about Richard Nixon taking us off the gold standard in 1972, that... No, no. Did you hear my question? I'll ask it a third time. If it's so important to you, why don't you go there and fight? Yeah, 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 yeah. He wants poor people to fight in in Ukraine for him. Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard.
The number here is 603-283-6160. We're not here to have a lecture series. We're here to have a conversation. It's so frustrating when someone has these clear talking points that they mm-hmm. want to make sure they hit and like they keep going back to them, whether it's related to the conversation or not. Right. Like the Bangladesh and Himalayas he and then Richard Nixon it, yeah. and the gold standards. Like, dude, I get that you want to talk about these things. Call back another night and talk about them. Sure. Let's talk about this particular issue. And Ian had a very, very simple question for you. If you're so in favor of people fighting over this stuff, why aren't you fighting yep. for it? And I think Bonnie made the great point is that he wants other people's kids to die for his precious topsoil. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe he's just really into like Ukrainian vodka or something. I don't know. The number here is 603-283-6160. You can join the show. We got plenty of time for you. Out of our two is on the way. Coming up, the uh, the new documentary series by NBC Boston focusing on the Free State Project and uh, more on this Rage Against the War Machine event that happened yesterday in D.C. Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program here. The number, if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. Here tonight, Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. Join us online over at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy various features, and they are completely free, like a lot of talk show websites that charge you. Enjoy those over at freetalklive.com. We're going to go right back into your calls and thoughts. Uh, We can talk about the apparently Chase Bank blocking people from buying bitcoins. Uh, Also, Japanese people being encouraged to commit suicide by one professor. Also, uh, Project Veritas's founder has been asked to step down from, or I guess, I suspect they're not just asking. uh, Your last video was too awesome and hilarious and entertaining we need you to step down yeah they're getting rid of james o'keefe there at uh, project veritas plus the nbc documentary from uh, boston's nbc multi-part documentary series on the free state project just came out mostly today there's still a few more episodes that are going to be released in the the coming weeks that's so strange I mean, I know they're they're releasing four more episodes. Yep. I don't understand why they released seven all at once and not all 11. They're not done yet. I know, but why not wait until they had all 11 done? Or if they weren't all done, why release seven and why not just like release one a week? Or what? I don't understand the way in or which like they three did weeks. this. I thought it was kind of weird, too. My first reaction was like, seven? That's so weird. But it, maybe it's because they're so short. It, it only adds up to like an hour. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we could always ask them. I mean, they're, they're easy true. to reach. Or maybe so, there was We literally like, can text them and ask them. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe there was something like they needed to show that they were going to be good or popular before they got allowed to edit the rest. I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, doesn't matter because I think they're great. But we can talk about that later. Let's go to your calls and thoughts. Sydney is in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Sydney. Oh, hey, everybody. I wanted to join the discussion about this Rage Against the War Machine rally that they had in Washington, D.C. yesterday. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, so I first heard about it on Free Talk Live a couple weeks ago. Otherwise, I don't think I would have. Sydney? Anything about it. Can you hear me okay? You cut out there. Uh, you said, I don't think I would have, oh. and then. I don't think I would have heard about it uh, okay. if it weren't for Free Talk Live. And after the event today, I was looking just through the headlines, and there's really no coverage, no coverage. of it at all. RT yeah, covered no it. Uh, I will point that out. They did have a live stream on RT.com. Oh, man. America is yeah. so screwed. Doesn't make the, you know, conspiracy theories about it any better. 
Well, True. what's it then? No, thing? it doesn't. Uh, they, there was some, one of the things that people were upset about was because the Libertarian Party invited someone who wasn't necessarily pro-peace. They were, they, they were accused of being a Russian apologist, whatever that, whatever that means. And I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, that's the, that's the way you're painted. If you're an advocate of peace in this conflict, you're a Russian apologist or a Putin apologist or whatever. I saw some of his tweets. It was really weird. He was just straight up like, go Russia. I hope Russia wins. Let Who else is team Russia? So- I, as I understand it, I thought there was a difference with this guy as well, where he wasn't just a peacemonger and he was actively pro-Russia. But like, if he still wants to... Look, I don't care. If he doesn't want there to be a war in Ukraine, I don't care if he wants to yeah, yeah, fallate Putin. I, it doesn't make a difference to me. But he did get kicked out, right, Ian? Uh, so there was some controversy over one particular guy who was the former... UN weapons inspector like 20 years ago his name was Scott Ritter and there was a couple different uh, people who were uh, there was a couple objections to him one is he wasn't explicitly anti-war and two people kept accusing him of being a pedophile which was completely from what I can tell false I also don't Uh, care I I don't care if he's a pedophile I don't care if he's not anti-war is he against the war that is literally happening right now I believe he would have been against this this current war that to me is more important I would rather have everyone someone who there who is principled anti-war but if they just are against this particular war that's good enough yeah Yeah. I tend to agree with you on that one Aria I wouldn't have cared whether or not you know I would care if he was a pedophile but he wasn't a pedophile no, he like got po- convicted of the police pretending to be a 16 year old girl and then he got caught so it's not pedophilia yeah. by definition and by it definition. was a it was a grown person that he was you know sexting it was with an undercover women. police officer right but definitely yeah. not a 16 year old correct but so the crime there is imaginary legal. in new hampshire there's no crime there at all true uh so i wouldn't I'm, do it but it's no crime it's not uh by definition not a pedophile because a 16 year old is not a child 16-year-old is someone who's well, guys, going through. Well, regardless, I think regardless of this guy, um, I, one thing that I really liked about this protest was that they brought a lot, the Libertarian Party, I guess, brought a lot of speakers from all different parts of the spectrum, you know, from far left to, you know, some right Well, it wasn't just also. the Libertarian Party that was organizing it. They were in uh, in tandem with the People's Party, which would have been the people that probably recruited the, the far left uh, speakers yeah. that you're referring to, Jill Stein, for instance, uh, the comedian yep. guy. Uh, what was the name? Yep, Jimmy, Jimmy Dore. Dore. And it was really yeah, entertaining. Jimmy Dore had a lot negative to say about the left, which I thought was very, uh, it was helpful to hear because there were a lot of left people there, which is totally fine with me. I thought it was great that it was sort of like a big tent event, which I personally don't really like those. But in this case for anti-war, I think Tulsi Gabbard made a good point that uh, this is like our lives. If nuclear war breaks out on Earth, this is our lives. So, you know, let's get together at least for this one thing. Um, and then, you know, we can disagree you know, tomorrow. Uh, so I thought it was a really good event. Uh, I happened to just listen to the audio stream from like the speakers um, podium. And uh, I thought it was good. They were, I, it, it didn't seem like the energy was very high, but a few people brought the energy and Ron Paul kind of peaked it at the end and made a lot of really good points. The same points that he's been making for years, you know, people were chanting uh, end the fed and he made a very good point that if it weren't for the Fed, mm-hmm. these types of wars would be very unlikely to happen because you just can't afford them. And you know what's so, so great about you- this event was the fact that Ron Paul got to say that in front of a bunch of leftists instead of just saying mm-hmm. it in front of the same libertarians that he yeah. said it in front of exactly. for 15 right. years. That's yeah. why th- these events are important is because they bring people together. 
uh, under the same banner who don't necessarily have the same viewpoint. And the sad part is some of these people who are criticizing it online, we're criticizing it for that very reason. Like, oh, well, you can't right. have the commies with it. Well, yeah, let's have the commies there. Let's all have conversations and see where we can work together and agree on. Now, I will say this. Even though they kicked off Scott Ritter from the speakers list, there were still speakers who work for Sputnik, which is the Russia Today uh, radio version, basically. So everybody knows about RT, or a lot of people know about RT, Russia Today. Yeah. Sputnik is the radio alternative, also funded by the Russian government. So there were still other people here who are kind of connected to the Russian government, in a way. And I don't care about that, personally. It doesn't bother me. If there me. were people connected care. with the Ukrainian government, but would have talked against war, it wouldn't have happened. I because, would have been fine with that, too. Yeah, I would yeah. have been fine with that, too. But it just wouldn't have happened because the Ukrainian government would, you know, oust them immediately if they were anti-war because they're anti-peace talks. Right. So the people that are against this particular event are just playing the purity test here. Like, oh, well, you're not pure enough. Your, your speaker's list wasn't pure enough, even though it was good enough for Ron Paul. There was you also um, people holding Russian flags, and that pissed a lot of people right. off. But the yeah. American flags... Event. The American flags are just as bad. Why aren't people mad about the American flags? Great point. Right. Yeah, I'm always working, so I just got to catch like the audio stream, and I got interrupted a bunch of times. But um, after the fact, I got to like look and like I searched Twitter just for like the hashtag of the event, mm-hmm. and then I organized it by the like time that it was posted. And there's these weird, very negative, very slanderous posts mixed into you know this very long timeline. There actually weren't very many posts at all. Um, so from the time that the event was like, you know, in preparation, like a few hours before to afterwards, very few. But, and then there's these weird ones really mixed in. I don't know if that, that's the bot army or what's going on there. Hmm. But yeah, the Russian, there appeared to be some people waving Russian flags. I'm totally fine with that. But I think that people should confront them on camera and just ask their opinion and ask them, you know, what they are doing and what's their purpose. Yeah. They are, yeah. Well, one of the guys who was that, there who uh, attended the event said yesterday that in regards to the Russian flag waivers, there was only one or two of them. And one or two pictures. They positioned themselves behind the speakers and Mm -hmm. then they went away. So like, it seemed like they were there just long enough for someone in the audience to get photographs of them being there, yeah. and then they got out of there. So like, they, and the, the oh, whole, it was the FBI then, right? Mm-mm. Right. That's what people were, were or, the, or the CIA or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Good chance. I mean, there's no right. doubt. I mean, that's the kind of crap they do. All they need to do is one person there with one Russian flag slanders the entire event in the eyes of these stupid idiots yeah. on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what they did. Yeah, to and the on truckers. the internet, it. On the internet, it very much has the appearance that, yes, there were some wacko people there. That's sort of the impression that, I guess, uh, that the propaganda is trying to push out. And also that the event was very, very small. Um, I saw a drone footage. It looked like it was like 2,000 people maybe. Um, but the initial stuff was like, oh, it's a couple hundred people. And then some photos that selectively made it look like a couple hundred people. Now, it is President's Day weekend, so I'm sure there were a lot of people on the mall. This event was at the Lincoln Memorial there in Washington, D.C., you know, in the peak afternoon, it was a beautiful day. I would have loved to have been at that protest. It looks like the people were mingling quite well. I saw a video uh, from Reed Coverdale. Oh, yeah, I was about um, to just, suggest and, that you follow him. He had the best coverage of it on Twitter. Yeah, I don't, but now I do. Now I'm going to check him out more. I've heard him on this show before, but it was interesting because they have, like, you know, these little side groups, and people can voice their opinion. And, uh, you know, if I was there, I'd voice my opinion, and I'm very upset about this situation. I don't want to see World War III. I don't want to see a nuclear exchange. Um, it looks like NATO is provoking this. They're going to continue to provoke it. Biden was just there on President's Day. 
And, um, you know, he's just giving away all, I pay taxes, giving away that money to somebody else. I don't see how people can tolerate that, but they are. This was the first anti-war protest of this conflict, this most recent conflict. It's the first the anti-war year. protest in years that at least I've, I've been made aware of. Uh, thank yeah. you, Sydney, We went for to the an call. anti-war yeah. protest in Concord with Alu and... Was it the anti-this-war? Or yeah. a different anti-war? Yeah, it was like I mean, beginning in of 2022. I mean, like, oh. a, you know, a well-attended D.C. protest. Thank you uh, for, again, the call, Sydney. Uh, although I, I did look here. He said he couldn't find any coverage of the protest. It does look like Tucker Carlson did actually cover in advance, so he did promote uh, the protest well, happening that's amazing. on his show. So, you know, he's got about a three-and-a-half-minute or four-minute clip of him interviewing one of the organizers it looks like and you know they've got like the list of demands we did go over that by the way on free talk live prior to the event and it's a very principled uh list of demands i'll I'll go over it real fast here we don't have to stop down on all of them because we already covered it but uh, for those that maybe were unfamiliar not one more penny for the war in ukraine that's number one number two negotiate peace three stop war inflation four disband nato that's a huge one uh, five, global nuclear de-escalation. They just keep getting bigger as, as you go on here. Uh, six, slash the Pentagon budget. They want it cut by at least half, I think. Uh, seven, abolish the CIA and military industrial deep state. Eight, wow. abolish war and empire. Nine, restore civil liberties. And ten, free Julian Assange. Nice. <laughs> nice. I, I'm impressed. I did not expect demands like that. Well, right. I mean, when I first saw this event, I thought, oh, well, the Libertarian Party must be one of the minor organizers of it. No, no, no. They are the top organizer in tandem with the People's Party. It's listed on the site. Libertarian Party, organizer. People's Party, organizer. And then they have sponsors. Nice to see That's the it. People's Party is that good. I mean, I don't know anything else about them. Well, they're good on uh, the war issue, apparently. I don't know what else they're really that great on here, but we do have their website. I've got it pulled up. It's peoplesparty.org for people that are on the left. If you're sick and tired of the Democrats, uh, this might be a home for you. And here is their case for the People's Party. They say polls show that the large majority of Americans are progressive, and almost two out of three Americans are now calling for a new major party. Their number is even greater among young people and poor people. Why? We want what regular people take for granted in so many other countries. Single-payer health care, free public college, money out of politics, an infrastructure jobs program, a $15 minimum wage, financial regulations, and more. Okay, you. Yeah, so they're to- yeah, I mean, total Yeah, I expected. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, total leftist. Cool. And, you know, and they, if they want their little society to have those things, I'm fine with it. You know, whatever. Just make sure it's voluntary. They say, we deserve these good things. If other countries can deliver these things, we know the richest nation on earth can too. What's in the way is not our ability. It's the oligarchs who are making so much money and building so much power from the current system. They don't want things to change. The money has corrupted both major parties. The oligarchs have, as writer Tedarose Fikra put it, Quote, turned America into a nation of Aspen for the rich and Appalachia for the poor and working class. They then go on to... I agree with everything they just said. I don't think their solution is right, but they're correctly identifying the problems, which is the American oligarchs and the fact that like 10 corporations own everything in the United States. Those are the issues. And that's the kind of attitude people should have about people they disagree with. It's, It's just, you know, instead of just... They're, they're communi- commies. You can't work with them. It's better to focus on the things that you do agree with them on and work with them on what you can. And separate when you absolutely can't agree. Like, okay, you guys should go make a 
you know, People's Party State Project. Absolutely. Somewhere. Move out to Oregon the heck or else, something. Though, but... Hell, do it next door in Vermont, man. Let's let's yeah. have some liberty brotherhood over here. You have your communist libertarian society that's pro peace. We'll have our free market voluntarist society that's pro peace. That's fine with and me. Yeah, we can just be right here in the middle of New England, having our own little happy world, right? Actually, that would be great because, like, if we could agree you to can have trade, all our communists. I don't know if the tr- communists do trading at all, but if they would, well, if they can actually produce something, hmm. in theory, they could trade. It. <laughs> then, uh, yeah. We could we could do starving. trade with them whenever we secede, and people can't say, "Oh, well, we'll have nobody to uh, you know trade with." That, that's that aside, you know, you know, smash the oligarchs, smash the state, the control machine with the military industrial complex, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, let's do it, guys. I'm with you. We the people, right? Whatever, People's Party, whatever. Let's do it. Let's continue. Let's here. have a different solution. Let's work on what solutions we implement afterward. Afterward. Right. I got some more coming up here on People's Party, but let's uh, get Sam on the line. He's in Ohio. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I was just curious. This whole idea that as citizens we have to follow the laws that I keep coming in contact with whenever I bring up the idea of uh, disobeying laws in any way. And basically, I know you've talked about how citizens, that whole subject ties into the social contract and what you've explained about that before. Mm-hmm. Was that a question? Uh, yeah, I thought there was a question no. coming. Oh, sorry. So, like, how do you deal with that, I guess? Deal with uh, people opposing the idea of civil disobedience or breaking breaking laws people in general? Civil that- disobedience in terms of the fact that they think the social contract works in terms of forcing people to do things they don't want to do. I moved to New Hampshire so I could be around more like-minded people. Yeah, I mean, we can argue with people all day long, and you know, you're not going to win people over there in Ohio, and it's never going to result in any sort of meaningful change. But ultimately, it's a question of it's just an arbitrary decree made by some some tyrant who says you must do this thing, and people have decided that if you don't do these things, you're, then you're being immoral. They they've conflated the two concepts where breaking the law is immoral, and that's not necessarily the case. Like. There's a stop sign right outside the studio here that people, you know, just speed past all day, every day. All the time, yeah. And it's illegal to do that, but there's nothing immoral about it. It's not a matter of good and evil or right and wrong. It's a matter of whether or not you've been told to do something. And this idea oh, so that anything that is... morality. Right. This idea that you have to obey in order to be moral, that's, that's just an argument that ultimately stems from Western religion and Christianity and God's decrees of obey me or be punished. We get taught in oh. public education that the laws come about. How, how do they make a bill? And I just watched it in the camera, somebody going past that stop sign, oh, by the way. Okay. But, um, but, you know, how does a bill become a law? You know, they really ingrained in your to your head that it is, you know, a good moral thing. Like, it's so great that we have this system. Thank God we have this system. It's the best in the world. Yeah, people are of two mindsets, though, right? So on one hand, they have this mindset that Bonnie's talking about, that, oh, well, it's a nation of laws. We have to follow the laws. If you don't agree with the laws, you have to change, try to change the laws. But then that, that same day, they're going to blow through a stop sign, right? So, like, it's whatever's convenient uh, in the moment. And the brainwashing really goes a long way with these people. I mean, arguably, that's why so much, so few of us have succeeded in front of juries, for instance, because even though we're in the moral right, and we may even be in the legal right, the uh, the brainwashing of the government school system is so powerful over people. 
And it's insane to act like, you know, we can just change the law. Like the law is just something that I can just arbitrarily, you know, just decide I want to change. I don't agree with this stop sign law. I'm just going to change the law. Good luck. Yeah, that's a monumental understanding. Even something as simple and obvious as this stupid stop sign outside the studio that thousands of people, maybe not thousands, but hundreds of people run every single day. Something simple like that here in this little town of 23,000 people, you would think we could get that sign Pulled down. You'd have but to spend thousands, thousands of dollars and hours. And yeah, just so people know, it's a useless three-way stop sign. There should be one stop sign where it is intersected, and then the other two stop signs should be taken away so people That's can just keep going. It should be a yield sign, if anything at all. <laughs> I'm on just that saying one, that one I, stop sign. I mean, this is keen. Let's just make it a roundabout, right? <laughs> but no, realistically, <laughs> they'll any, take our front yard. Any mm-hmm. sort of change that you want to implement to the system. It, it's got this huge resistance built into sure. it, and that's without even factoring the factoring in the reality that Listen, most we've people, always had stop signs. We're always going to have stop signs. How can you suggest yes. we never have stop signs? <laughs> most people just resist that change entirely just because it's a new idea. When I was first becoming a libertarian, I read the book In the Fed by Ron Paul. I ended mm-hmm. up talking to my father about it, and just based off the name of the Federal Reserve Bank, he was like, no, that sounds like something we ought to keep. Dude knew nothing, <laughs> know nothing about the subject. Had never even uh, heard of it before. But because it's so the it's institution that's already there. Go ahead, Sam. So it's that level of brainwashing, just the name of something is enough to make someone be like, Okay, I guess I gotta agree with it. Sounds yeah. fancy. I well, I mean, look, right. look. I mean, people have been uh, reciting the Pledge of Allegiance every day in government school for their 13 years at least that they spent there. I mean, that that hammers that crap into people, and then they just get it reinforced and reinforced every election, every time they watch, you know, mainstream media. It's just constantly hammered into people, and that's why the Free State Project is such a great idea. Because if we can get enough people together who can change that narrative or move the Overton window, these terminologies that suggest getting ideas into people's heads that move them in our direction. They're not going to come all in. They're not going to, but they might agree with us on some things. We mentioned the Free State documentary at NBC. There's an entire episode dedicated to the subject of New Hampshire secession. There is. That's true. That Overton window has moved. Yes. We're moving it here. I'm surprised they were willing to do that. Well, we didn't leave them it much choice. They us. wanted to interview us, and we put that issue front and damn center. Yeah, well, it does. I mean, it was already front and center because it was in the news. I mean, it was worthy of talking about, and it has opposition, and the opposition's wanting to talk about it too. That's- and it's so like it's way further than anybody else has pushed any type of freedom legislation. Yeah, Sam, thanks for the call tonight, man. I, I appreciate hearing from you. You don't get this kind of level of success without having a migration of people together for the same purpose. This is an amazing documentary series, and we, if we get the chance, we'll play an excerpt from it here coming up tonight. Uh, basically play a full episode, because they're only about 10-ish or so minutes long. And, and we could spend an entire episode just watching 10 minutes of this. We, we really could. <laughs> uh, but the, it's really cool because the, there's like the opposition is in these, and it should be, because it's, it's journalism, That's right? Fair. Like they're, they're doing a documentary, and it's, a fair, it's not a biased documentary per se, although I could argue... And it would be interesting to hear 
what the people who are on the other side of the issue are saying about it, like whether they're praising the documentary or whether they're upset about it. I'm curious to hear what their response is because obviously you're going to see the things you kind of want to see in it. So like the people that... But that's the thing. I think the people outside of New Hampshire who are interested in liberty that watch this are going to be like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, that's why are. I said it's yeah. going to be the new 101 Reasons. It's going to be good to, to I think, recruit people in here because the opposition from our perspective looks pathetic in this. They nice. are really lame. More coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. You can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. There's a new left-wing political party out there. It's called the People's Party. They were one of the co-organizers of the uh, really excellent Rage Against the War Machine rally that happened in D.C. this weekend. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about them. Plus, if we get the chance, we'll play some of the audio from the uh, the new series, documentary short docu-series, if you will, uh, from NBC Boston on the Free State Project. Really excellent. Bonnie and I took the time to watch all seven available episodes today. As uh, we continue, though, with your calls and thoughts, Ricky is on the line in Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian, Sister Ari, and Sister Bonnie. Good evening. What's on your mind? Oh, you know? Huh? What's on your mind, Ricky? Sure. Well, today's present day so got me thinking. You know, every year I hear about Abraham Lincoln. Now, luckily, I heard very little today. See, it kind of goes like this, Ian. You know, Abraham Lincoln, in all actuality, was a sorry, tyrannical, emancipating son of a bitch. And what? And That's why? Right. Why? Yeah. Why do I say this? You know, because it goes like this. We'll start from the very beginning. We'll start with the lie. Everybody hated Lincoln. Lincoln was not liked. You know. And what does he start with the lie? Oh, it's all good. Don't worry. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Oh, this slavery thing. Oh, it's good. It's good for the economy. We're going to be fine. You know. Well, that didn't last. What happens? He had very little tools at his disposal, but he had what tools he did have. And that's what was left to him by Jefferson. It wasn't much, but he used it. First thing he did, puts a 40% uh, tax embargo on the South. So what does he do? He cripples the South's economy and kills the economy to a great extent in the North. Wonderful. Then what does he do? Well, he continues on, pushes into the war. South gets favors. We'll get to jump on it. The war's on. He didn't care about any of the states' rights. No, no, he didn't. He He also didn't care about the slaves. Yeah, here's a quote from him about the slaves. This is what he said about the slaves. Quote, I am not. Oh, I'm sorry. Here's, here's his quote about the slaves. Quote, I am not, nor ha- have I ever been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. Well, it gets even better than that, because what he ended up doing, you know, this keeps rolling on. And, you know, he comes by the time of 1863, now he comes out with his, his Emancipation Proclamation. And see, what it really came down to is he didn't know what to do. He wanted the land. The CSA was there. This was a tool. And he couldn't, but he couldn't do anything about it. So what it came down to, eventually the war ended. So what does he do? Now, what's the goal here? What do you end up having? Well, all this, the, now the complete economy is obliterated on a scale that nobody ever, has ever seen before or after. 
And what you have is people that are homeless, you know, people have no work. And what you have is people, oh, get out. You live here, you're gone now. Go out, get a job. Yep. Well, here's what happens. There's no jobs. And even further than that, Lincoln had a lot of explaining to do. And now luckily for him, and I say lucky, because the only thing Lincoln had left to do was die. Because if Booth wouldn't have killed him, somebody else would have. You know, and when it comes down to the end of the story, he brang in everything we have today, fiat currency included. Mm, that's true. After you, after you obliterated the economy beyond Suspending the habeas league. corpus, arresting journalists. Yeah, he's a tyrant. There's no doubt about jailing it. Jailing opposition. We're definitely going to agree on this one, Ricky. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Anytime somebody on Twitter, because they always do this, like libertarian accounts will ask, who was the worst president? And everybody says Wilson. He's really bad, but I always say Lincoln. Lincoln. I mm-hmm. mean, Wilson didn't kill 600,000 people of his in, own in America. People. Yeah, that's a great point. As bad as he was. And the, uh, the, what was it, White versus Texas happened under the Lincoln Supreme Court, which is the big case that mm-hmm. they always cite that says, whoa, the Supreme Court says you can't secede. See, there's a court case from 19, or 1865 or whenever it was. The union says you can't secede. Yeah. <laughs> what? Duh. I mean. Right. Why would they? But, I mean, if the Confederacy had won their independence, then the U.S. Supreme Court would be saying a very different thing today. So, I mean, it's... It's literally just a matter of the victor writing, writing the history. Right. Yeah. 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 Let's talk to Chuck. He's in Washington State. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. I think uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, contradicted himself more than the Bible has, mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you. If you really get into, like, the uh, quotes and what people like to throw up for their political convenience. You right, know what because I, mean? I just said that one, and I know that there's someone out there who, if they heard that, they'd be like, well, he later he said this. It's like, okay, but he also said this. It's like, obviously he was just doing what was politically expedient for him, it, but this is yeah. clearly what he really thought. I mean, he wrote about how the black people should not be, before he got elected president, he wrote about how black people should not be uh, slaves anymore, but they should be shipped out because they shouldn't be mixed with white people. Didn't he also say something like... And they're like, taking our jobs, basically. That's I don't have it in front of me, but didn't he also say something like, if I could keep the union together by freeing blacks, I will do it, and if I can keep the union together and keeping them keeping blacks enslaved, I'll do it. Like He just right. didn't yep. care about the blacks. They were just a tool uh, to him. And I mean, it's certainly fair to say that people's opinions yeah. change. I don't believe the same thing I did five years ago. Maybe... Or 10 years ago. Maybe I believe the same thing today that I did two years ago. Yeah, but are tyrants people? Well, they, they probably once were, right? So I'm, I'm going to allow him the, the opportunity to change his mind and say, you know what? I used to not be pro-slavery, but now, now I mean, pro-liberation. Now I'm I'm pro liberation. Emancipate uh, everyone. But did, I never did, even saw a quote like that. But it, yeah, that doesn't seem to be the case. And it does seem, based on the quotes that I've seen, that his primary goal above all else was to keep the union together. That is true. And the thing is, you can't trust a politician to say they've changed their mind and be honest about it, right? Did did Ron DeSantis, <laughs> the uh, the current governor of Florida? <laughs> actually change his mind about covid or did he just see it as a political move if it was a political move it was smart on his part it was but it was a political move yeah, i think it was thanks but it uh, was really smart on his part to be that one governor to get ahead of the pack that far ahead of yeah. the pack that technically he was behind the pack because the uh, south dakota lady was way ahead of him oh really well he yeah. eclipsed her he did because he's you know in Florida, and yeah, there's like people. a ton more people live there, so it's more. And they already had the relevant. reputation of being the second free state for some reason. And no, people, that, that all came about during COVID. 
I did it. Mm-hmm. Okay. People just forgot about the first, I don't know, 10 months of tyranny in Texas. And they act like, oh, Tex- Texas is so free because they were like the second state to just say no more masks in our state. As I understand it from my sister, Mississippi never had a mask mandate. Wow. But everyone else, I mean, all the stores did mm-hmm. and the yeah, government buildings America. did. But as I understand it, the governor never said, hey, mm. we should do this thing too. But I don't think they did in New Hampshire either. Because they're so far behind everything. That's true. New Hampshire, New Hampshire didn't. Ever had one. Uh, Chuck, any other comments? Go ahead. I, I do. Uh, w- could you tell me more about the stop sign that's being monitored and what uh, municipality it's uh, at? Uh, I really think you underestimate the power of people getting pissed off in their local jurisdictions for just little things like this. This very it's actually very rarely easy. monitored. And I have no desire whatsoever. This is like not going to be my issue. Like, I think that you should make this uh, the uh, centerpiece of your issue, a stop sign, and uh, see where it takes you. Maybe there's a lot of people that get pissed so. off about little things like that. I mean, there probably I mean, are, but to be fair, there's not much monitoring going on. I, don't, I have seen the police monitoring the stop sign in my years here, but it has been some years since I've actually seen it. Uh, and you know I'm here every day, so I, I would I notice. I've never seen I, anyone I, pulled over at it. I've seen it happen. Well, um, but it doesn't. But that's usually following some Karen reporting it, it, right? That is true. Correct. What that's now, Chuck? What you need? You need you need a bunch of Karens out there to get really passionate about the stop sign. No, I want no. everyone to just start ignoring it because it's useless. It doesn't belong there, and that's a lot easier and more effective than just peti- spending the next ten thousand hours of my life and forty thousand dollars petitioning the city government to do it. Yeah, I think that. But that actually, yeah, that actually sounds like something you could put on your campaign piece, Arya. I, I, I on your run the stop sign. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the call tonight, Chuck. I don't think she's looking for a campaign manager, but I appreciate it. I mean, as yeah. a general rule, I would not advise against you know violating the law, and I don't run the stop sign. But like, as far as stop signs go, that one's one of the more useless that I've ever seen. I don't mind saying I, I run stop signs. I, if if anything, I think it's a better activism than going against the government. Something that pe- most people in Keene aren't even going to notice. I think it's better activism. You look around; there's no cops around. And you see there's a person behind you, and you're like, this is a red light, but I can clearly safely go. And then you go, and then they say stopped there. At least it's going to get them thinking. I hope it does. I don't know how activism, uh, how much I would qualify it as activism rather than just doing something for your own convenience. Uh, Well, in a world that's insane as ours, it's sad that doing something for your own convenience is a form of activism. activism. Yeah, it could be. Speaking of activism, let's jump into it here. I got the uh, new, or rather, NBC Boston from NBCBoston.com slash Free State. This is a, what will be 11 part, 11 episode uh, documentary series. It's entitled Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of New Hampshire. We actually played the first four minutes of the first episode for you a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Oh, when we got the trailer? The trailer, yeah. Okay. So the the trailer itself is actually the first four minutes of episode one, okay. uh, which is entitled The Manifesto. And uh, so I'm just going to pick it up at about four minutes into the uh, to this episode here. And they actually have, uh, i got to you know, give them a compliment here. They've got like custom graphics that they did for this, custom animations. So this is a really nicely put together, you know, there's music here. Uh, I don't know if it's original or they plucked it out of you know some music downloading thing, but it sounds great. Yeah, it, it's, it it's looks good. nice. The video is uh, the quality, the editing, all very very high quality uh, production. Well, it's NBC. Things. They're one of the major news yeah. organizations in the world. Yeah, uh, it's and basically Comcast is running the uh, the show over there. So there's a lot okay. of mo- there's a lot of money over there, and they did a really fair job, as I think you'll see here. So here it is. Mm-hmm. 
So it opens at the Quill in West Manchester, which is a Free Stater club. They're, they're showing some B-roll of, you know, like the outside of the building, people hi, inside. Hi, my name's Julia, and I'm calling with the Free State Project. How are you? Yeah, hi. I'm calling from the Free State Project. Have you come for a visit? Yeah. Um, well, a really good thing is um, Pork Fest, which is in June. So what they're showing here, and you know, you can't, obviously you can't see what's happening, but there's images from inside the Quill, which used to be a very private club. It's now actually open publicly a couple of times a month for like the new movers party uh, that happens every month. I think the first Tuesday of the month there. If you're up in New Hampshire at that time, it's open. You can uh, you can go to this place and you can kind of check it out. But there's, you know, flyers and uh, signage and things like that. Interesting things to kind of look at. But the room is full in this case of people on their cell phones uh, making phone calls, outgoing calls to people who have signed up for the Free State Project, just to kind of like, hey, you know, we're still here. We haven't seen you move yet. When do you, you know, what are you planning on moving? That kind of thing. I got a call before I moved, after I signed, before I moved mm-hmm. from Peakless Mountaineer. I was like, wait, 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 is this Peakless Mountaineer? And he was like, yes. So Had I was you like, met him yet? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I met you at the Funky Noodle, or it's, it was ah, okay. called The Keen Great at the time. Right. And he was like, oh, I thought it might be you. I was like, yep, I'm coming. So that was his, the question was just, when are you moving? Yeah, it was, like, it was like, we saw that you signed and we want to know if there's anything we can help you with. Okay. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's where like our caller earlier from New York would probably ask his questions about like, well, how do I register a car? And they'd get answers, you know, from that. So that's, that's what they're showing here. Right about that. Is now a good time to discuss moving out here to New Hampshire and helping us build liberty in our lifetime? And they feature here Jason Sorens. He's the founder. I came up with this tagline, Liberty in Our Lifetime. The idea was that maybe we'll actually see a libertarian society and we can actually see how it works. Showing pictures of him as like a kid. And I just got to say these little like up close video things they do. They did one of you and Aria and Nobody. And they just showed Jason Sorens. They're really nice looking. They look noble. And, you know, they're not portraying us like, Hicks or monsters, or monsters. Whatever. like it looks really nice. Although this dog with the teeth sticking out of his mouth, it's just know. how the dog looks. He's cute. <laughs> anyway, going on. here, but it's okay. I can make you lunch. Maybe yes, peanut butter sandwich. Showing the sort of day to day of uh, Jason in his kitchen, <laughs> cutting up bread. We're in for my his... kitchen in uh, Amherst, New Hampshire. He's got a kid or something. <laughs> Making her lunch. I hate that piano in the background. All right, that's all I go. can hear. <laughs> you're welcome. Well, you're actually not seeing the videos. You're, you're just hearing. I grew audio. up as a religious conservative and and became a libertarian really in high school. Although I didn't have a term for it then. This idea that well, government is geared toward its own benefit and not necessarily toward the public benefit. So what we really need to do is just take power away from government and give it back to society. To Oh, and it appears to be buffering. Have a better society. In the 90s, that was a period of great optimism about human freedom and about the, the state of the world in general. Uh, there was this sense that... It makes that me really sad. I've never internet- lived in a time like that. The 90s? Well, oh wait, I was alive, but I was five when 9-11 happened, so I haven't lived in a world like that since I was five. I wish you wouldn't say things like that out loud. Well, there's some, uh, there's some <laughs> old looking... those things next time. There's some how old, old I was in 9-11? There's old looking video here to take you back uh, to the 90s. There's just like people in computer rooms with old technology. At the internet, cryptography, globalization, uh, all these things were liberating human beings. 
That already by 2000 and 2001 was being shaken. And I was George a graduate Bush. student. I was. Uh, this is shortly after the 2000 election. I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. There was this sense that the tide is turning toward bigger government, and so I was pessimistic about the future of the ideals of freedom at the federal government level in the U.S. And I was looking for an alternative. My dissertation was on secessionist movements, or movements for autonomy and independence around the world. And it got me thinking about how we can have an influence at the state level if we all got together and found a state that was already somewhat friendly to our ideals. Where we- now, what they're showing on the screen uh, is the original ten states from which the Free State Project sh- uh, chose New Hampshire, Montana, Alaska, New Hampshire, and I don't remember all of them. Idaho, Wyoming, Wyoming, uh, New, uh, Vermont, Maine, Delaware was in there. I think the Dakotas as well. Maine would have been a good choice as well, I think. But Maine has weird, man. There's a reason that Stephen King centers so many of his novels on the state of Maine. Was he from Augusta or something? Well, he's from there. He's from there, yeah. I don't uh, recall how Maine did in the vote. I don't think it was in the top three or anything like that. It didn't do that great. I really enjoyed Maine while I was there. It's just that it's even colder. It's bigger, it's colder, and it doesn't have the same culture of liberty that New Hampshire does. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah, I got chased by this Trump lady. And another person that was with me that was a black guy that was knocking on doors for y'all, he got locked into a driveway and a guy held him at gunpoint because he was black. It was crazy. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was dramatic. It was really scary. I mean, I wasn't there. So they've got, um, like I said, a custom graphic here, custom animation showing all the different states, and uh, it looks very nice. We could really make a difference. And then once we've chosen a state, uh, we'll try to get to 20,000 signatures, and people have five years to move once we hit 20,000 signatures. Ultimately, we all got together and chose a state, and that state ended up being New Hampshire. They made this cool little, like, pinball graphic where it shows the different states inside like a pinball machine and like this little ball bouncing between them oh nice yeah they just did a really nice uh, just little nice touches like this this 9-11 happened 10 days after we launched the statement of intent for the free state project so there was a kind of mood in the country basically let's give the federal government all the power they could possibly want just in case they can do something with it and <laughs> and so it was not a very good time for for libertarians but then it's- no it wasn't but some libertarians were against any kind of invasion in the middle east from day number one and i got to give credit out to uh, harry brown who was the libertarian presidential candidate in the year 2000 and 1996 he like right out the gate, as soon as nine eleven happened, he started blog. He was like one of the first bloggers, basically. He awesome. uh, started blogging about why you know war is a terrible idea. This is insane. You know this shouldn't happen. And those blogs are still available online. So not everybody fell for this trick, you know, of trying to uh, convince people to go to war against these people who had nothing whatsoever to do with the attack on 9-11. No, it was about Poppy and some stupid oil pipeline, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Being a kid on military bases, it sure felt like everybody was gung-ho about war. It was so bad. I always heard that country song that goes, we'll put a boot in their ass. (laughs) At like every gathering. It's their job, right? I mean, 
Uh, if I was a plumber, I would be all about the installation of more sewage systems as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, of course, a soldier is going to be all about more war. Uh, if you're not excited about it as a soldier, they'll probably force vaccinate you or something, but give you a forced drug concoction. They do that to you anyway. <laughs> yeah. All those people got that one vaccine in that time period that really messed them up. I can't remember what it's called right now. My dad got it, but it didn't mess them up. It's just some of that forced excitement. All right, here's more. Started to change. Iraq declared 8,500 liters of anthrax. That was during the run-up to the Iraq War, and a lot of libertarians opposed that. Getting some old war footage. There's a lot of opposition to the Bush administration and a fear of that they were abusing their power and tending toward, toward tyranny in a lot of ways. In the Battle of Iraq, the United States and our allies have prevailed. <laughs> That's the old mission accomplished speech from Bush in like 2005. A, a good opportunity for us. And of course they stayed in. And yeah, did the that. war there go on for like another 18 years <laughs> or a something? long time, yeah. It was ridiculous. And isn't it still ongoing actually, come to think of it? I don't know what the current status is in, in Iraq. You never hear anything about it. Right, anymore. they just sort of stopped talking about it. This is yeah. a bit embarrassing. Let's stop bringing this up. They probably still have some troops there. I just don't know what. If you know, give us a call. 603-283-6160. For us to recruit. He pointed out this this was a ultimately a good thing to help recruit people into the Free State Project, the fact that the government was getting so big and so crazy, and that's still true to this day. There really is a kind of liberty community in New Hampshire. The governor at the time, Craig Benson, actually tried to recruit us to choose New Hampshire, so he was the only governor to do that. I'm a believer that if people want to move to New Hampshire and they're law-abiding citizens, we should welcome them, which I, I did. People started moving as soon as New Hampshire was announced as a state in late 2003. When I heard the idea of the Free State Project, it was seemed like a no-brainer. Every day, the policy was giving me more reasons to leave. So I knew I had to leave. We have this beautiful thing called libertarianism, and what we want to do is create a libertarian society. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm going to go there. And I sold all my stuff that didn't fit in my car, drove out here, and best decision I ever made. Should have moved here sooner. I'm a very early mover. Mover number 50. New Hampshire's got beautiful white mountains, and we've got beautiful lakes. We have all four seasons. We have no sales tax and no income tax, state income tax. So it's kind of the best place to be. <laughs> so you're starting to hear different voices now. It started with Jason Sorens, who was the founder of the Free State Project. And it's kind of, you know, this whole uh, look at the Free State Project now that it's been around for more than 20 years, and it's this being 2000, uh, 2023, this is the year that the New Hampshire was chosen. So this year marks the 20th anniversary of New Hampshire being selected. So the Free State Project started in 2001, but it had to you know get people involved yeah. in it, and then they had to have the vote on which state uh, was going to be the destination. The vote happened in 2003. New Hampshire was chosen, and so began uh, the early movement. And so it's kind of interesting looking back at this whole thing and seeing all that has come out of what was ultimately just the idea of this one guy, right? Like just an idea that this guy who, you know, he's just an academic type. He's been a professor at colleges and universities and things like that. And he uh, studied secessionist movements. He studied migratory movements. He looked at the hippies that migrated to Vermont back in the 70s. He looked at the Mormons migrating into Utah back in the 1800s, I guess it was. 
and uh, the, you know the, he looked at the Quebec secessionist movement there in uh, Canada and just kind of looked at these different uh, migrations and, and really saw that this could be a thing for fr- for freedom if we did that. It's brilliant in that it's an easily obtainable goal, right? This isn't, we need to move 100,000 people or a million people. 20,000 is a relatively small number in the grand scheme of things. And sure. it sounds to people like, hey, this is something that we can actually do. This is how we can achieve liberty in our lifetime by getting 20,000 people to New Hampshire. Well, oh, there's three of us in a room already. That puts us, what, 0.06% of the way there or something? Yeah, and 20,000, I mean, it isn't a small number when it comes to New Hampshire, though, if you think about it. I mean, it is small. But right, it would have to be bigger if it was somewhere else. But that's would, what's yeah. good about New Hampshire being chosen. Here, it's like, you know, not even quite just over 1% of the population, right? Like, yep. uh, And as far as the voting population is concerned, it's just over 2% of the voting population. So you're not going to win any elections with the raw numbers. But the idea wasn't to just move 20,000 normal people. The idea was to move 20,000 activists, 20,000 liberty-minded people who are going to do something to move the ball forward and here. And get active. In New Hampshire, exactly. Uh, so we're going to continue. There's a little bit more, a few more minutes to uh, part one of the new documentary series from NBCBoston.com slash Free State. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. We are sharing with you uh, some audio from the first episode of what is a seven-part so far series, a documentary series uh, produced by NBCBoston.com. It's... NBCBoston.com slash free state. You can watch the first seven episodes. They're roughly nine to 15 minutes a piece. They cover different uh, issues here in New Hampshire regarding the free state project and uh, different events and things like that. And it's very, very good. Very well uh, put together, well edited, well shot. There's really, I have no complaints at all about this. I think it's, uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, and it's educational. You know, a lot of people who don't know anything about the Free State Project are going to come away from this with, I would say, a very fair coverage of this. A lot of times people complain, oh, the mainstream media, they're not, they're terrible to us. You can't trust them. And it's true. Well, I'm not going to lie. I hid from them when they were interviewing you here because I was like, uh-huh. more reporters. Hmm. Well, I didn't it- have any faith in them. Okay. Well, I mean, it's true, and you you really can't trust uh, the anybody in the media, right? Like a lot of them have an agenda, and they are in a lot of cases going to slant things. But in this case, I feel like this is a really fair coverage of the Free State Project. I mean, that's been my experience with most people in the media in general. That I they're mean, slanting or being fair? That they're being fair. Okay. Certainly the media organizations are unfair, but the actual journalists and people themselves, when you sit down and you you know spend an hour talking to them because they're doing an interview or whatever, they kind of don't can't help but to be fair. Did you feel like the coverage of your race for sheriff, the national level coverage, was fair? The ones who actually spoke to me? Absolutely. But a lot of them didn't. No. Okay. That That's why I added the caveat okay. when they actually sit down to right, with right. you and talk to you. I, I wouldn't say that a lot of the coverage was unfair either. A lot of it was just reporting on what had happened. Certainly, I'm sure Fox News was not as kind as I would have liked, mm-hmm. but... But the facts alone were 
you know, quote unquote bad enough for Fox News readers. So Mm. they didn't really need to add to that. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen over the years, having been here for 16 years at this point, I've seen a lot of the coverage of the Free State Project. And I've certainly seen some slanted coverage, especially from like the New York Times, for instance. The worst has just been the Crypto Six. It's like ridiculous, the stuff that's come out so far. Like we talked to that guy from the in. Inquirer? Wait, what, what's it called? Not the Inquirer. That's like a... In, oh, yeah. Inquirer, Intelliger. Like Intelliger. Intelligencer, yeah. And uh, like he, he talked to me for a while. You know what he printed? Uh, the only thing that he printed that I said was like, I'm a Gemini, so I don't <laughs> like that Gemini, the exchange, sucks so bad. And that, that was just an off thing I said in a conversation. I didn't yeah, think he was interviewing me in that moment. He yeah. just tried to make me look dumb. Yeah, everything's on the record with those guys. Obviously, a lot worse stuff is come out with the crypto six that they you know mostly like mwr people making stuff MWR. With the- oh wmur oh yeah whatever. yeah it's a local uh, tv station so yeah there's definitely been a ton of bias biased coverage over the years stuff that has absolutely not been fair basic facts that they got wrong that they could have simply checked by making a simple phone call to the person that they'd interviewed so like when somebody actually gets it right it's a nice refreshing change yeah but i'm not like some people like chris uh, our friday night co-host he won't even do interviews with uh, the media because he just doesn't want them to get something wrong and he knows that they do often i'm not of that viewpoint i'm like fine talk to me just print my you know print my website name correct you know that's yeah. all i care about because I'm of the viewpoint that even a biased article like you will see in the New York Times, for instance, about the Free State Project, is still going to reach the right people. There's still sure. going to be people who see that. Obviously, there's going to be people who read it and they're like, yeah, screw the Free State Project. Those guys suck. Libertarians suck. Well, we're not trying to recruit those people. We want the people who see these things who are on our side already, the libertarian types that see these reports, to say, whoa. That's pretty interesting. Oh, well, you know, I don't know whether they're telling the truth or not about all the details, but I like the idea, at least, of the Free State Project, the idea of free to- or of uh, freedom-minded people migrating to the same geographic area. And so that's what I really like about this series from NBC Boston, is it it spends plenty of time. It's not some like little quickie uh, two-minute news package where they... You know, hit you a couple times with whatever misinformation, and then they get somebody in there to attack the Free State Project, which many times has been the case. Like as the far New as, York Times one. Well, New York Times isn't going to produce likely video, but well, it was uh, articleized. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, New York Times has had feature-length articles, but they're very biased That's what in I'm the way that they're yeah. written. I was talking about like a two-minute-long uh, news package. That's what you would call a video package uh, that, that's the terminology in the the news video industry so normally if there's a report on the free state project it's going to be 30 seconds to two minutes long it's going to be on the nighttime news or whatever yeah. and that's going to be the end of it but this is a at this point seven part series is going to be 11 parts they're around 10 to 15 minutes a piece so when this is all said and done they're going to have a feature length documentary film on their hands and uh, and so there's plenty of opportunity for everyone to get hurt. And that does include the opposition. So and that's one of the things I really actually like about this is they actually got the opposition to talk because normally you can't get these people to go on the record beyond their own websites, beyond their own forum, beyond their own events that they organize. They will not sit down and have a conversation with any of us. And they get incredibly paranoid Whenever anyone from the media wants to talk to them, because they're always worried that the media won't be fair to them. 
but they're so paranoid about it they won't even have a conversation and so anyway we're going to pick up here from episode one it's entitled the manifesto and it focuses on the foundation of the free state project they talked to jason sorens who's the founder of it about you know how it got started in 2001 2003 it was october of 2003 when new hampshire was chosen and the move began uh and so they actually start to bring in some of the other people you're going to hear more from across this series other free staters who have made the move here already and uh, we'll continue it was theoretical it was abstract i didn't know what it would look like in practice but the numbers seemed to work the idea seemed to be plausible and so i was excited about making the free state project happen And here she is. This is the big bad in this uh, story. I've been waiting for 14 years for this type oh. of interview. <laughs> oh, she sounds awful. I was going to say, I feel bad that we're going to subject our listeners to her laugh because that's not the only one. She does that over and over and over again. 14 years? How, she's had plenty of opportunities in 14 years to talk about the Free State Project. She's been interviewed a myriad of times Maybe she's never had a long-form interview. Like, they sat down with me for a couple hours here. Uh, maybe two or three hours. So yeah. maybe that's what she's referring to. But she's... like Zandra Rice Hawkins is the this woman's name. And she is the, as you'll learn, uh, the uh, creator or maybe the, the head of, I don't know if she created it, of Granite State Progress. And she's the big, as I said, big bat. She's the one who... Uh, is focused on the most as far as the opposition. There's several people they will end up interviewing later on that yeah. are the opposition, but they keep coming back to this one. So here she is. Ready. <laughs> My name is Zandra Rice Hawkins. I'm the executive director of Granite State Progress. We are fighting for a healthy, just, and inclusive Granite State for everyone. Oh, so the free staters are against health. Uh, the free staters are against inclusivity. And just justice, of course not. I mean, free staters are incredibly inclusive, for the most part. From they routinely hand me a microphone for some reason. So I mean, and they seem trans. to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, she the the B roll footage is her of at a uh, never had like a, a Democrat do that. Looks like a playground. Can they call you anti LGBT at the uh, anti free stater? So. I think they called the Free Staters anti-LGBT. They did. Okay, yeah. yeah. Even well, though, yeah, I guess that would have technically included me. As even though anti- LGBT people were there from the Free State Project, not just you. Probably but, more than what was with them. Obviously, you can't tell by looking at yeah. them if some of these ladies are lesbians. But there was like a bunch of LGBT people there. Our very own Chris Wade, he's, he's a gay guy. I think and Bob his was there, yeah. his, his partner. So, like, I think LGBT, at the very least, were disproportionately represented amongst the free staters. That's what I'm saying. There. Yeah, There's definitely. probably a large percentage of them. But anyway, here's Zandra. The B-roll is her and, like, some kids. Uh, uh, this is my daughter, kids, Annabelle. Uh, at a, uh, a playground here. <laughs> what the hell is so funny? Park and Conquer. She's having fun with her kids. You know, she's running around on, like, a playground thing. I would have cut those out. <laughs> Well, they're, they're trying to humanize this person, right? You always have to have the B-roll of the person like in their home and doing a thing that they would normally do. They, they always do that with us. They're like, oh, can you make some coffee in your kitchen? And then they film that stuff, right? Right. So they have to have that. You got me. Are you glad our community has a park? Are you glad our community has a park? Because they wouldn't without me either the first time. They would never have a park if the free staters were in charge. That's what she... She didn't say that out loud, but that's absolutely what Xandra believes. First uh, order of business when we get in power is... 
burn down the parks. <laughs> Ridiculous, but... You can't have one without government. Yeah. We track conservative and extremist movements in the state. So we started to follow the Free State Project. We run Free State Project Watch, which is a resource for people um, to learn a little bit about the background of the Free State Project. Who's doing this with the Libertarian Party? What do you mean? This. Who's this got kind of work. Libertarian Party Watch? Yeah. Oh, okay. No one is. Well, no, because they're, they're not doing anything. They're not worth watching. Yeah. They're not winning. They're not doing anything of, of any kind of import. When's the last time mainstream media did a full-length feature documentary, let alone write a single news article of any sort of meaningful length about the things the Libertarian Party is doing? To be fair, we did spend the first like hour of this episode talking about a protest that the Libertarian Party had. And the media I said, ignored when did them. mainstream media do it? Right. I mean, I did give credit to the, free, to the uh, Libertarian Party for putting that event together. It's the best thing they've done in many years. I don't remember anything else they've done in years that was particularly noteworthy. It is new leadership, though, so maybe there will be more of that going forward. But the mainstream media will ignore them because yes. they are they're just not worth talking about. Well, they're one, perc- they're one percent of the population at best scattered mm. throughout the entire United States without any ability to impact things whatsoever. Right. Like even if the libertarian candidate gets all the libertarian vote in every single state, that doesn't accomplish anything. No, it sure doesn't. And uh, never has actually resulted in growing the Libertarian Party's results. Like, it's just consistent. 1%, 2%, 1%, 2%, or less. No, as far 1%. as we can tell, Donald Trump did more to grow the Libertarian Party than anything the Libertarian Party has ever done. Just because people hated him? Yeah. You mean? Yeah. With the, the Libertarian Party got three times the number of votes in the Donald Trump election. You could argue it was both Donald Trump and Hillary because the votes came sure. from both. And, but libertarians are like saying, look, look, was, we did so great. We, but look, the Green Party got about a 300% increase That's as right. well. Yeah. So like, you didn't really achieve anything here. Nope. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton did that. So the reason why they formed this Free State Project Watch, as I think she will explain here, is because they want people to know who the Free Stater candidates are. Because we tend to be pretty, pretty upfront about this, don't we? We do. You and okay. I do. But there are some that are a little more concealing their their identities our organization got started around the same time they did and we just ended up in a lot of the same rooms and the same policy discussions i can't understand how they can walk away with a completely different take on how to walk in this world well no you've never bothered to actually talk to any of them from what Mm -hmm. i can tell zandra i mean you have had uh these meetings and they'll actually show one of her meetings later in a different episode i think where they start talking about the Free State Project as though it's a hate group. Yeah, it, the whole meeting is about hate crimes, and right. they just go, okay, so here's the Brotherhood of whatever, here's this Brotherhood of whatever, number three, okay, the Free State Project, as if anybody in the Free State Project has committed a hate crime. The Free State Project uh, tries to, you know, and not the, the Free State Project doesn't organize the activists. Once they get here, they kind of do whatever they want, right? But As they should. Right, and that's the way it should be. So people will show up and actually you'll if you watch this full series, you'll see uh, Stephen Nass, who's a free stater who moved out to the seacoast. He went to this hate group thing that Xandra was putting on. and He actually spoke out like, yeah, we don't hate people. If you actually want to talk to me, I'm right over here. Come on over anytime. I'm here. You know, you can ask me whatever questions you want. You can come to our club. Uh, you know, he's, he's like, hey, I'll give you my contact info. Right. Our, our doors open. Come on out. And the fact is, this woman, Xandra, has been invited 
to things. She's been invited to have a discussion. She's been invited to debate Alu. She's been invited, I believe, to debate Carla Garrick from the Free State Project, or not even debate, but just have a conversation. Uh, Dennis Pratt, I believe, may be putting together the Liberty Forum this year, which is coming up, by the way, in March. Two months, or two two weeks, sorry, two weeks from now, March 3rd through the 5th, I believe is what it is, and they're not sold out yet. So if you're looking for a good excuse to come up to New Hampshire during the wintertime and check things out, come on up for that. But Dennis, or whoever's organizing Liberty Forum, reached out to these people like Xandra, and I presume she was one of them because she's you know the biggest opposition, uh, and they said, we want you to have a speaking opportunity at the Liberty Forum. We are willing to have you have an entire panel where you can bring up all of the opposition if you want to. And, you know, you don't have to pay for the event or anything like that. We just want to hear from the opposition. We want to have a, have a conversation. You know, you can take questions from people or whatever, right? Like, you can run your own panel at the Free State Project event. And they That's pretty generous. Apparently, some of them agreed initially and then said they weren't going to do it. Backed out. So there's no one who's well, there's willing nothing to do it. in it for them. I mean, it's not like they're going to win over any free staters, and they they hopefully know that. Well, if their ideas are so great, I mean, because a free stater would accept that offer to go from there. them because they would be their ideas are good enough to like get video where yeah. they're schooling these people. But our ideas are unusual and not the mainstream. The idea of you know abolishing the education system that's not mainstream, but the idea of having a public education system that is mainstream. So there's no chance that they're going to expose some free stater to the ideas of big government that they just never have heard before. I get that. And I didn't expect them to say yes. But it's just proof that this these people, these types of people, they aren't interested in having a conversation with us. We do everything we can to get ourselves involved in whatever conversations they're having. Like I said, Stephen Nass went to their event. More than one person, in a lot of cases, go to these events, and they'll speak up and try to defend the libertarian migration or viewpoint or whatever. Well, we all went to the anti-free stater protest in Keene. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so, like, if they invite, if the Democratic Party invited you to come speak... I'd go in a heartbeat, go in a heartbeat. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I pointed out uh, when Dennis made this... Uh, when he sort of revealed that they'd canceled, they had initially said yes to go to the Liberty Forum and then said, no, never mind, we're not going to go. I said, this is the same thing they've been doing forever. There was a time, it was 2015 here in New- in Keene, where we've had more kind of controversy and conflict with these types of people over the years than, than they have elsewhere. They're starting to experience what we've been experiencing in Keene for you know over a decade at this point. They're now experiencing that kind of statewide with some of the pushback and, and all that. They actually do get into Keene a little bit in one of these episodes as well. And kind of the well, history you can't here. talk about the Free State Project and not get into Keene. You, sh- you certainly shouldn't. Um, but, uh, but looking at the history here, there was an, a uh, there used to be a public access channel. It's off the air at this point. It went out. It went under, I guess, for whatever reason, and a couple of years ago. But for many multiple bad reasons, as I understand. Yeah, it, it was kind of ugly. But at, uh, in 2015, it was going strong, and there was a local DJ and another lady that he knew who wanted to start a show called Manadnock Showdown. Now, Manadnock is the name of the region that we're in. It's based on a, a mountain. That's what that, that name is. And the idea of the showdown was you'd have these two hosts of the show. And they were kind of like the anchors of the show. And then they would bring in two guests. And it would be kind of like point-counterpoint. So the uh, guests would be on opposite sides of an issue. 
And so whatever the issue was, right? Like, Sounds abolish the stop sign. Yes. No. Right. So like the two different people would debate and have a discussion with the two hosts. And it would be entertaining if only they could have gotten people to agree to come sit in a room together. They couldn't even get that far. They came to me first because Freaking is noteworthy, right? Yeah. Like we've done a lot of, there's been a lot of activism here in the Keene area. And a Parker, who was the one of the main hosts, he and I had had some level of contact over the years. He got screwed by the system once upon a time in like a, you know, like a father's rights situation where he got screwed and you know lost his kids, that kind of thing. Happens a lot with fathers in the United States. Yeah. So I had reported on that some years prior on Free Keen. And so that's kind of how I'd, I'd gotten to know him. Plus, he's a DJ. So, you know, we're in the same industry. And so he reached out to me and said, hey, just kind of pitch me on the idea of the show. Hey, do you want to be on with someone from Stop Free Keen, which was this anti-Free Keen group that had been formed just the year before. So like Stop Free Keen had a lot of momentum. They had a lot of uh, hate that was going on. It's a hate group, basically. You want to talk about hate groups? They absolutely hate free oh, staters. Yeah. They, they did. They hate us so bad. And so I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity. Of course, <laughs> I didn't have to think about it, right? Well, you want to put me on the air? It sure. would be so great. I'm so sad this didn't happen. Yeah. And so what ha- ended up happening was... He went to Stop Free Keen, which was a, at that time most noteworthy for having a Facebook group with over 1,500 people in it. <laughs> now, to be fair, the theory is that they just added all their friends to the group because at the time on Facebook, you could just just add in anybody you wanted to a group and it would just automatically put them there. I don't know if it still works that way, but it would just put them there unless they decided to leave. So we figured that most of the 1,500 didn't actually want to be in the group. But regardless, they were in there. There was 1,500 people in, in this group. And so they went to this group and they said, you know, pitched them on the idea, Manadnock Showdown, debate, we're going to have Ian Freeman on. Who do you want to have on? You know, we, we'll let you have somebody on from Stop Free Keen. Uh, who do you want? Yeah. And they refused to do it. They... First of all, they like sto- stonewalled him for a while because they had to have their board of directors or whatever Good Lord. have a, the committee, <laughs> the committee or whatever. They had to have a meeting and then they had to decide on what to do and what to say. And it's all like centrally controlled, like what you would expect from, you know, total status. And so the the stuff free keen admins came back with a, uh, a, a missive to the host that said that. We're willing to appear on your show, but we will not appear on the episode with Ian Freeman. (laughs) We demand that you have us on a separate episode so we can respond to what Freeman says afterwards. So they said like a freaking lawyer. They wanted them to have me on by myself on a show (laughs) called Monadnock Showdown for the first episode. Then they wanted to come on the next week. After they With had a, a week chance. of, you know, writing, yeah. thinking <laughs> as hard as they could, Googling things. <laughs> right. So then, and they wanted to be on alone, and I think with more than one of them, uh, if I recall correctly, on this show. Because they didn't trust the people running Monadnock Showdown. Because they <laughs> did their research, and they found that I had written an article about Parker, the guy that was one Good of the Lord. hosts on the show, six years before or something like that. Wow. And that was their excuse. Oh, we think you're with Ian Freeman, and so we won't. That's I mean, this is a really parent. common debate tactic, especially in online internet debates. So this is what they do. They they sort of agree to a debate, but then they set impossible terms. Yeah, yeah we want to break your show. 
You, yeah. Your idea of a show is to have people have a debate and a discussion with each other in the room. No, we're not going to do that. We demand that you break your entire show format on the first show for us because we're that important. Uh, and it's so that they can explain to their viewers, no, look, we tried to do this, but obviously we we tried to be reasonable and they, they refused to, you know, give us these basic, simple things we wanted. <laughs> right. And, of course, the hosts, rightfully so, refused. Nice. And they ended up just having me on alone because nice. I was the only one willing to come on. Uh, some more coming up here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. I do want to say thank you to Andrew Belish, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. If you appreciate the work that we do here and you want to help us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live, uh, help our mission of spreading the ideas of liberty, peace, cryptocurrency, freedom every single night, seven nights a week on broadcast radio and the internet, please join us at amps.freetalklive.com, A-M-P-S dot freetalklive.com we are playing for you the first episode of uh, the nbc boston lengthy uh, documentary series that's got seven parts released already they're about 10 15 minutes uh, per part and there's four more parts to go so there's a total of 11 and but- i just gotta say and i know why the Stop Freakiners didn't want to do an interview with you and why these type of people like xandra don't ever want to actually Inter, you know, debate all Lou publicly. It's because right. these people know that they are unlikable loser lamos. I mean, her laugh is so self-hating, and they just know that you would look so much cooler and more likable. You're just so cute, and you would have been like 30 then. It would have just been so cute. I love all the vintage video of Ian from back then. <laughs> Everybody would love him. They would look like lunatics, any normal people. Well, that's very kind of you. I don't know if that's how they see it. But they do seem to be quite scared of having a simple conversation. I'm not going to say that you were cute when you were 30 or whatever, but (laughs) I think I love the fact that if the free, the free progressive project or whatever the hell they're called, whatever this state progress, if if they were like, let's put, let's put these free talk live, these free state project people, let's put them to the test and let's use their own social media server to organize against them and resurrect stop free keen or stop free state project Mm -hmm. and use the free talk live social to do it. And let's see if they're really all about free space. And we'd be like, yeah, go for it. Right, mm. they and, would never they do that like, if they or, had their own. Or if they were to call, want to, let's call into that Free Talk Live show every night and get on the air and challenge them. We'd be like, yeah, absolutely, give us a call six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Let's do it. But if they if they had a social media server or if they had oh, a talk yeah, radio no, they'd show, lock you down, lock they, you out. They would never allow one of us to to call yeah. into their show and talk to them. It just would never happen. They try their best to keep us away from their events too. Yes. Uh, some of them they ended up having online only, you know, using COVID as the excuse for it. But And then they had to approve you to let you in and they weren't doing it for known free staters yeah. or something like that. Yeah, they were doing everything they could to keep anybody they thought was a free stater out of the discussion. So that just really shows they're afraid of these ideas when it all comes down to it. Uh, but we're going to continue here with a few more, looks like maybe two more minutes, two and a half more minutes of uh, the first episode of The Manifesto, which is the first episode of a 11-part series. Thanks to NBCBoston.com slash Free State. We continue here. 
Jason Sorens is the gentleman responsible for this crazy idea that he had published in 2001, uh, the idea about the Free State Project. The Free State Project is a political group that voted on a state to move 20,000 libertarians to to take over state government and dismantle it. And I, I don't like that terminology at all. We don't want to take over in order to dismantle it. We just want to come here and be left alone. And that results in taking over and dismantling it. Well, I mean, the thing I will I will give Zandra credit for, and this is the... Oh, that was still her that talking? That was Zandra. Yeah, that well, was Zandra. She's still not wrong she's in not that wrong. depiction. I just don't agree with the wording. Well, if you go back and you look at the founding documents of the Free State Project, it sounds pretty accurate to what she's saying. And yeah. this is the, the level of credit I will give to her and her organization. They do a lot of research, and a lot of the information they have is accurate uh, about who's the free staters that are on the ballot. I actually find it to be a helpful voting guide because they do a, <laughs> they do a really good job. Like they identify people who I don't know, right? Like there's thousands of people yeah. who've moved here and I don't know maybe, you know, a few hundred of them. Now she said that her organization came into existence around the same time as the Free State Project. Obviously, it sounds to me like her organization came into existence to counter the Free State Project. She said Hard to say. She suggests that it didn't. It was a good uh theory i don't know i didn't think about that yeah i don't know exactly when they were founded that would be an interesting thing to dig around and and find out i mean to be fair to them they do a lot of other things free state watch is only one of a myriad of different programs that uh granted state progress is doing so yeah it wouldn't surprise me if it was just a coincidence the fbi also has a free state watch program yeah i don't know what they call it but they (laughs) certainly are very interested in us uh, so anyway, going on here, but yeah, the, the original, uh, founding proposals was that not that we could take over cause 20,000 isn't enough to take over any state. Uh, but we would come here and, and influence things to where the government could hopefully be dismantled to a large extent. I think that's what a lot of us really want to see happen. Yeah. I and there's nothing to be you know, ashamed of. About Jay that. Noon, when he was running for a state rep, he would, I interviewed him and he was straight up honest about, I would like to put in a bill to dismantle, what is he in, Hillsborough? Like, just a bill that would just, let's get rid of Hillsborough, the corporation. (laughs) That'd be, like, the first thing I did. I was like, oh, man, that'd be great. Imagine if all the state reps did that. One of them might go through. Yeah, well, the more liberty-minded people we can get elected, the closer we can get to doing things like getting rid of a government school system, right? Like, that's something that they tout that we're going to do if we get in charge, and I think that's absolutely something that we would do. I don't think it is because I don't think we'd have to do it. You know, all we have to do is free up alternatives for people to make the choice themselves and well, only the if you problem can choose would not just to pay yeah well obviously yeah and the problem would just dissolve itself the public school system would dissolve itself if people had the choice and the money in their wallets to go to private institutions of their own choosing literally no one out there would say you know what the best bang for my buck <laughs> is the public school system. Well, that's the thing and you'll get to it when you watch the episodes about Croydon which was uh, a conflict between free staters and townspeople who absolutely do think that the government school system is the best bet and it really does go to show that we have a long way to go here to convincing people that the government sucks even though a lot of people know schools suck government school sucks they still think it's worth something and they fought tooth and nail to save their huge budget for this tiny little town in Croydon last year. Yeah, and I don't understand it, man. I have ne- never met a single person in person who said to me, 
that they think the public school system is is good. Well, there was 300 plus of them that went to this meeting and they voted to restore the budget that had been slashed that, by 54%. They, they, that just means they want to maintain the status quo though. Like no like the joker said this in the dark night, no matter how bad the the status quo is, the average person wants to maintain it because it's what makes them comfortable. Yeah. There was a person in the meeting arguing like just because the uh, test scores have gone down doesn't mean our kids are failures. It's like our kids are failing school. That doesn't mean they're failures. I mean, they're failing at school, and that's the thing that you guys are paying for. Don't you want twice them to, as much as private schools? By yeah. The way. Don't you want them to be able? Don't you want better for your kids? I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, we can talk more about Co- uh, the uh, Croydon thing at another time, but let's continue with this one. This is their first episode at NBCBoston.com/slash/FreeState. New Hampshire is unfortunately the unlucky recipient of that vote. Uh-huh. This is a great day in the <laughs> history of human here. freedom. A few years ago, they hit that tweet. The video and uh, audio is uh, Jason Sorens and uh, Carla Garrick. They're at the uh, February 3rd, 2016, which was the celebration of the Free State Project reaching its goal of hitting 20,000 signers of the intent to make the move here to New Hampshire. So that was when that's what you're hearing in the background. 20,000. We did it. Today, I'm here to announce that the Free State Project has officially triggered the move and that participants need to come home you have five years from today february 3rd 2016 to come help build the world's first intentional liberty community it's worth pointing out it's now been seven years uh from that day it's actually been that long since the free state project reached its goal there has been a spike in movers though the five-year window uh you know ended on in 2021 and it turned out that 2021 was our biggest year the free state project's biggest year for migrants now we haven't got the numbers from 2022 yet supposedly There's no way gonna... it's going to be as good I, I just don't see it i don't know i feel like the the people that couldn't come as soon as 2021 because again covid really kicked a lot of people into gear I'm interested to see how it how it shakes out. I am too, and it was a good thing, right? But I think 2021 is going to go down in history as the peak year for the Mm. Free State Project. I hope you're wrong about that. Well, I you know, I don't want to. I'm not saying I think it's burned out or anything like that, right? The tyranny isn't gonna isn't gonna lessen at the federal level. So the worse things get, the better things will get here in New Hampshire as far as people moving. But let's continue. The Free State Project has never been very transparent about who they are, who's moving here. That's Yes, lady. Maybe some representatives. I, I don't support this idea, right? Of you know being a free stater and hiding the fact that you're a free stater while you run for office. I have never voted for a person who did this. Mm-hmm. I prefer them to be open and upfront and transparent about it. But still, the Free State Project itself isn't. It doesn't do anything. First of all, it just right. encourages people to move here. And it's extremely transparent about that. I the only transparent thing it ever, uh, the only non-transparent thing it ever did was freaking ban you from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Yeah, that was kind of uh, a, a low point, but they've gotten better uh, since that time. So let's go on with her critique. Who's running for office and they're using the party system to try to get elected, even if they're not aligned. All right. So. As you would expect from a collectivist like Ms. Zandra Hawkins here, she's acting as though the Free State Project has any kind of determination over who's running for office. Hmm. All the Free State Project does is it just encourages people to move here. That's how the only way she can think. 
Well, Top of course. down. Yeah, she thinks everything's like her organization where she's running the show and all the people are underneath her and they do whatever it is she tells them to do, that kind of thing. It's got to be a hierarchy, but it's not that way here. The Free State Project has no idea who all's running for state rep. I mean, they may know some of them, like they know uh, Jeremy Kaufman or, or Carla Garrick, who are their two of their board members. Of course, they know when they're running for uh, for office, but they certainly don't know the thousands of people who've moved here, how many dozens of them at any given time are on the ballot. It's actually people like Xandra that figure that stuff out. Yeah. She's the one that does that research. It's completely crazy, right? And I, I can understand the worldview that this lady... But let's think about the Free State Project. they got 20,000 libertarians here, and they're, they're just plastered on a wall, and they can pick any any 5,000 of them to go ahead and move. How insane would that be to be like, that redhead tranny Satanist over there? We need that one next. <laughs> right? They, they don't have any control over this. It just happens. If they had their choice, I I probably wouldn't be here. They would have picked someone more like Mark mm, Edgington or yeah. something. It's This is not the way liberty works, lady. Indeed. We continue. The values of that party. It's the whole reason we started Free State Project Watch. We research and produce a list of all the candidates we're aware of. If you can't be honest about your intentions, your values, who you are, but the thing is, they're never not honest about their values. That's what bothered me. They never go and say like, "I'm running as a Republican and I love war," ha ha ha, and then. Oh, tricks on them. They don't really love war. It's- I can't say what people never did because I've not followed all of their campaigns. I haven't it wouldn't seen it. surprise me to know that there are some people who are less than forthcoming. Whether they're being dishonest, I don't know. But I suspect there are some people who do not wear that they're a free stater on their sleeve. Certainly. I mean, we know some people who And I agree with Sandra that. to that extent. I think that they shouldn't hide it. I'm just saying I think that's different than hiding your values. Like, she acts like... Okay. She's one of those people who act like uh, we're not real... I mean, I, obviously, I know that I'm not a real Republican, but I still think that somebody who is a free stater could easily run under a Republican and actually believe in things that the the voters that vote Republican believe in. It's not like they're lying about it. That's what I tried to argue when I ran for office. It's like, look, we don't fundamentally disagree i have common ground with democrats i have common ground with republicans i just picked the common ground with the republicans mm-hmm. and i, I chose talk to about talk that. about those yeah. things i'm like hey look guys we're we're in the we're on the same page here i'm just a little further along in the in on the page here than you guys are but if you somebody love small asked government you, i love no government right you were never dishonest at all in any no. way and i and i hope that most free staters are that way uh, but we just don't know, right? Because there's literally dozens of them. And I got to say to Zandra here, they've, they're dropping the ball. I mean, she's talking about their free state watch, going through and figuring out who's running for office, but they haven't had a list since 2018. Hmm. I've been so disappointed. Yeah, I've been so disappointed because, like I said, it's like a voter's guide for me. I want to know who the free staters are because they don't, they don't tell us because they, they don't know. It sounds like they're defunct. Well, it sounds like, well, she's still collecting a paycheck. They're still well, doing maybe. something. But, but hate doesn't sell very well. It gets exhausting yeah. and it tires people out and they stop having any momentum. That's true. They don't have anything here. You can go to their website. It's uh, freestateprojectwatch.org. And there's a menu that shows 2014, 2016, 2018. No 2020, Five no 2022, right? Like, so there's been two full elections that have happened since that time, and they've totally dropped the ball. So, But if you on. go to freestateproject.org or fsp.org, you won't find stuff dated from 2018 as being some of the most recent. 
I can't say that either. <laughs> I don't know how good well, they are. Well, they've at least updated it to for, with Porkfest photos they're, from last year. Probably their calendar is always up to date at the the Free State Project website. But anyway, we continue here. So yeah, come on, Jandra, get on the ball. I need a I need our voters guide back. They don't believe in strong public schools. They have tried to undermine public safety laws. They've slashed budgets to really bad outcomes for those local communities. And they've even threatened things like having New Hampshire secede from the rest of the country. <gasps> the house will be in order. <laughs> Libertarian ideas are not popular, which is why they had to move to one area. They're a minority. To- we have to snuff them out. Yes, that's correct. Is that That is democracy, right? It is kind of gross. I mean, no, our our ideas are not popular. That doesn't mean that they don't deserve a seat at the table. Though. They're they're just invalid, Aria. They're sorry. Most people don't agree with this already without a discussion. So therefore, invalid. Well, I mean, that point gets made more than once by more than one of the opposition during this series. Is that they had to move here because they're just too weak everywhere else? Yes, that's absolutely true. Sorry yeah. that you guys run the public schools and vehemently dis, uh, you know, defend them. I mean, there's probably more libertarians out there than we realize. There's a lot of people who don't know what a libertarian actually is. I mean, but they're still not the majority, and they're not even close to the majority. So we're gonna have one place for us. And sorry that it's the place where you happen to choose to move, but y'all can leave if you really don't like it. Because there's one guy later, it's not in this episode, but one of the opposition points out that he doesn't think we're going to stop coming. Nice. Well, he's not wrong. And he's absolutely correct about that. are not popular, which is why they had to move to one area to try to take over to force the changes that they want onto the rest of us. They have this extreme ideology and... They want to see these policies enacted, and they're doing it in some cases. Yes, yes, indeed. So that's her admitting the success of the Free State Project there, and that is basically the wrap-out. It really snowballs. I could never have predicted all the different things that people would do once they got here. Everybody say porcupine! But it's been amazing to see. Well, that's real liberty. You don't, you can't plan for other people to make businesses and other people to do this and that. That's right. That's what's that's so what great about tries it. to do. She tries to centrally plan everything. So that was episode one, uh, and it's excellent. Yeah. What do you think about that, Ari? It was your first time hearing the video. Well, I had seen the trailer, so I'd seen the yeah. first four minutes of it or so, and you know, I was also interviewed, so I had a fairly good idea of what to expect. Mm-hmm. I liked it. It. I mean, I didn't see the video, but the audio was entertaining mm-hmm. and it was compelling. I, as a libertarian, it was like watching the Democratic debates when Sandra was talking, which sure. is like I kept wanting to point out why she was wrong. And it took me you know, three hours to watch five minutes of the Democratic <laughs> presidential debate. <laughs> but other than that, it was it was good. It was set, very well produced. I hated the piano track. Fair. But would you say it I was think, fair? Yeah, I would say it was fair. Number one is just, you know, introducing it. The rest of them get way more interesting. Yeah, the next episode focuses on the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Uh, episode three is about people making the move. So they kind of look at one guy and s- show him moving into his house. And, or yeah, we don't two, even co- know him. A couple guys, yeah. That's I've what's never cool about him. it. Never even seen him. No, uh, I'm confused. Is this the Free State Project documentary that was at the Porcupine Freedom Festival last week? I mean, last year? Two document 
document, uh, documentary groups were at Porkfest. I thought so. Okay. These guys from NBC Boston, and then there's another one called Free State, or The Free State, that is being produced, and that is actually being made by a libertarian. Okay, so yes, I thought there were two, and I wanted to be sure. But yeah. she lives in California now, and she's actually moving to New Hampshire. That's correct. Good. The Free State Girl. Um, and but but anyway, these guys are great, uh, and this this series is great. You can like I said, you can watch the first seven episodes. Episode four is all about secession, so there's a whole episode focusing on that, which is fantastic. Uh, episode five and six are devoted to the Croydon school board controversy where yeah, i'm a, gonna skip those i'm not even gonna pretend like i'm gonna watch them i don't care about that issue and i never cared about it i mean it was great as far as libertarian successes go and then you get the pushback that you would expect and that, but it wasn't a success ultimately it was right. a failure because the pushback happened and it was a big pushback and that's you know i i feel like uh it's worth watching because you know you get to hear the other side of it you get to see how awful uh, the opposition was, and it is as far as the f- first seven episodes. It's the it's the the two episodes that have the most opposition. Like this is what brought a lot of people out against the Free State Project because they felt like, oh God, my children, they're under attack from these Free Staters. Oh, and- they get so low too. Like they say about Jody, they're like, she doesn't have children, so she doesn't understand what it's like to care about other people. It's like what? It's crazy. And then there, it's worth a watch. there's a huge, there's a 300 people crowd yelling, you're a free stater at Jody. It's crazy. It is and ugly. Who she, is Jody? Jody Underwood. She uh, is one of the Bardo Farm people. She's an early mover for the Free State Project. She was on the uh, school board of Croydon when the budget got cut by 55, uh, 54% last year yeah okay. oh my god they were being so nasty to her and luckily she you know she didn't get you know nasty back to them yep she she held it up pretty uh pretty good i don't know well, i'm I not surprised that sort of push back. i mean you make it sound more interesting than i would have expected the issue as a whole i don't care about but i mean you should me, care about it because cutting i don't care the school about school boards if I you mean, could cut the if you could if cut i had the kids team, i would care about it i get what you're saying but if you it, it doesn't have to do with whether you have kids i care more because it, i don't have kids like i don't want to pay for other people's well, there's Kids. that, but the reality is 60 to 70% of the property taxes here in New Hampshire are going to the local schools. Right, I so get all of that. So if you could cut the, the school budget by 54%, which is what they approved in Croydon, Poor people would be able to move here. Then, there's an opportunity cost to, you know, watching 20 minutes about an, a, a documentary covering an issue that no, I don't I, care about. I, don't, I wouldn't even say, if you th- are not interested in it, I'd say don't watch it. Because to me, it was like kind of a more boring part, except for I just really like Jody. Right. Uh, I mean, hey, don't watch it if you don't want to watch it. But, but to some people, it's going to be more interesting. My favorite episodes are the Secession one and whichever one had the the free state or the key, free keen stuff in it that was pretty funny i think that was the final one but maybe it was one of the croydon ones i don't i don't remember it was one of the later i'm looking forward to the series. crypto six one definitely yeah that, that's going to be interesting as well um, i want to see how that gets painted the final of the first seven is called the impact and so you you're going to hear more from some of the opposition of course as things go on which is why the croydon one's the most interesting uh from that perspective because it really gives the opposition their chance to say yeah we win yeah we're beating those those uh free staters and it's just it's just an initial setback that's all croydon is well and libertarians should have expected it you're going to get put the first time you're successful like that you're going to get pushback the second time you're going to get pushback but every time you get that pushback you'll gain something yeah Yeah. you'll gain something and it's a little bit weaker 
until finally they give up and they don't have a candidates list that doesn't date after 2018 because they, mm-hmm. they just get tired of pushing back. They're exhausted. They're worn out. Hate doesn't motivate them. Like, stop freaking. They're just done. They're defunct. No one cares about them anymore. And they're going to start losing people, too. People are moving out of New Hampshire yep. who hate the opposition. They hate the free staters. They hate the libertarians. And they know they can go to a big government state not very far from here, right? You can just move to Massachusetts. You can move to Vermont or Maine or New York or whatever and have all the big government that you want to. Uh, now, uh, Jay in our chat room, he says that Ian is lying that uh, the, uh, he said the original Free State Project was absolutely about taking over. And so I asked him to clarify and he gives a quote from Jason Sorens in one of his original announcements of the Free State Project. He said, quote, what I propose is a Free State Project in which freedom minded people of all stripes libertarians, anarcho-capitalists, pacifists, even people who just call themselves liberals or conservatives, the only requirement is that you pledge that you will work to reduce to reducing government to the minimal functions of protecting life, liberty, and property, establish residence in a small state, and take over the state government. So that's what he originally said, and uh, that doesn't mean that I was lying about it. What I was saying was, you can't take over anything without getting the people to support you. 20,000 people moving into a state of 1.4 million with over 800,000, I believe, registered voters is not enough to take over anything. You have to get people to vote for you. And people do vote for us. People clearly support us. I mean, I was probably one of the more controversial, more polarizing candidates to ever run. I still got like, what, 23% yeah, when it was all said and done? Mm-hmm. Up against an incumbent sheriff. Well, yeah. Ian, I still think that you're cuter now at 40 oh, than you were at 30. You, I appreciate that. Uh, but out of time for tonight. Maybe we'll play episode two tomorrow night. We'll see how things go. There's always things in the news. We didn't get to Project Veritas or the Japanese uh, suicides or anything like that. But open phones every night. You can call in and bring up whatever you want. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. Join us online over at freetalklive.com, and we'll see you tomorrow. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today.